Welcome into SB Nation's live home run derby green room brought to you by T-Mobile. I'm your host, Sam Wilson, along with John Stolness of The Good Fight, Brady Klopfer of McCovey Chronicles, and last but certainly not least, our very special guest this evening, former MLB All-Star and current color analyst for the Phillies on NBC Sports Philadelphia, John Kruk. Guys, welcome in. Thank you, Sam. Good to be here. Yeah, excited, Sam. This will be fun. Let's watch some home runs. I know. The dingers are about to begin. (laughs) It's perfect timing. Now, John, you were a three-time MLB All-Star yourself. So just, like, can you give us a little rundown? If you still get any, like, flashbacks, do you get any happy memories whenever it's All-Star weekend? No. (laughs) (laughs) I like to say absolutely. No, I. you know, I I enjoy watching it. You know, I, I think this year the home run derby to me is a little more special because of the things that Otani's doing, not only as a mm-hmm. hitter, but as a pitcher. And, you know, the Trey Mancini story is just incredible to me as a former cancer survivor. Uh, you know, and my heart pulls for Trey mm. in this thing, but, uh, I don't know, man. Joey Gallo's a, just a monster. Oh, I, yeah. I know. So let's get right back yeah, in, hey, or hey, right hey, into that. Go ahead, Stonis. No, John, I was just going to ask you. I mean, you, you played in the All-Star game in, in 93. Had, do, had, do you ever regret not getting a chance? Or were you ever given a chance to participate in a home run derby? Is that something you would have wanted to do when you were a player? No. After, uh, uh, I think, 91, Cal Ripken hit like uh, 57 or 257 maybe home runs, <laughs> home run derby. And, you know, then <laughs> – uh, yeah, I, no, I didn't, I, you know, those guys were, you know, I, I was hitting my best bolt and barely hitting it over the fence and these guys were just BP swinging and hitting it 500 feet. And so <laughs> no, it, it, they were different animals than I was. You were comfortable where you were. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the room, <laughs> usually with some other guys having a beer and watching it on TV like everyone else from the stadium. I love hey, that. Hey, John, how hard is it to actually hit a home run on the kind of pitches that they're throwing in a derby? Because I would assume that it just messes up your timing a little bit, even if you're used to those in batting practice. But without having that extra velocity from from a fastball and having it be a different timing, how difficult is that? Well, you know, I, I think it's better now for these guys because they bring their own pitcher, whether it be uh, you know, someone on the coaching staff of the team that throws BP to them every day or uh, a college coach might come and throw to them or someone. I know Bryce and Robinson Cano, when they won the home run derby, uh, you know, their fathers threw to them. So I, you know, that, that, you know, who knows you better than your father, but, uh, you know, these guys have such great bat speed and, and unbelievable hand eye coordination that, you know, no matter if you're throwing at 40 or 80, they're, they're, they'll time it and just with their, uh, bat speed and their strength, you know, the, 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 and especially in Colorado too, it's just gonna just, it, it, they're gonna put a, it, they're gonna make a mockery of this thing, hopefully. I was just gonna say the levels here though, it kind of makes me nervous. Do you think anybody's gonna be reaching too far? I tell you what, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know if you saw Tani before. Uh, that was yeah, BP. Well, he swung and missed his first pitch. He swung and missed, and then like <laughs> he was easy swinging it and hit one five hundred feet, like just trying to get loose. He hit one over five hundred feet. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, 
I tell you what, the people out in right field, center field, left field, in fair territory, I hope they brought gloves because they're going to be some. They're going to be a. I, I got a feeling there's going to be a record number of home runs hitting this thing. Well, that's one thing that fascinates me too. Is you can kind of look at some of these guys and expect big home runs, obviously based off of what they normally do in BP. But Otani, it comes out that he doesn't even. He's never hit BP during his MLB career because he just doesn't want to get into that elongated kind of launch angle, I guess, kind of swing. So does that kind of hurt you guys? You not know what to expect? You could think it's not going to alter it at all. Does that affect anything coming into today? I don't know. He's got 32 home runs, so he's doing something right. right? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I like I said, these guys, they're so in tune with not only their own swing, but their body uh, that, you know, look, he, he might have a couple swings where it might not be good, you know, I think by the third or fourth swing, he's going to be dialed in, if not sooner. What about the you? Hardest, um... The hardest part about this whole thing, and I've done this before, like in uh, some charity things, uh, when you take batting practice and they have the batters, uh, the turtle thing, they call it, the batting cage around you, there's like a sense of security, like no one can see you. When they move that thing, I mean, you talk about, Tighten mm. the sphincter after that when you're out there in the middle of an <laughs> island and everyone is just staring at you. Uh, like that, that, that's some scary stuff, man. What about you for Stonis and, um, Brady? What do you guys expect? Do you think it's going to throw off Atani? Do you think that it's not going to really affect him? The fact that it's more of a BP setting? No, I don't think so. I mean, th- this is a unique thing. I don't, I think it's going to feel a lot different than batting practice for him. Uh, you know, he's, he has performed really, really well on the big stage so far this year. I, I think he's going to continue to to stay dialed in. I mean, like you said, he took BP today uh, and hit one into the fourth deck up in Colorado. So, no, I, I think uh, you know there's probably going to be a little bit of jitters, a little bit of nerves. But you know, I I think at the end of the day, Otani is still you know one of the favorites to win this thing. I think he's going to do just fine. Yeah, I think you know maybe you get a few swings there where he has to adjust a little bit. But I mean. That swing, that swing would play on the moon. I don't, I don't think there's anything that you can do to, to rattle Shohei Otani. Give him two or three swings to, to get used to whatever the changes are and then just watch him fly. Well, speaking of Otani, he is the number one seed tonight and we're going to break down the bracket real quick. So if you guys can envision it, I want to hear what you guys have to say. So on the left side, we have Otani, the number one seed against Juan Soto, the number eight seed. And then we have Salvador Perez, number four seed, going against Pete Alonso. Who are your two coming out of that left side of the bracket? I got Otani coming out at uh, Alonso. Is that okay, who's like the first it. one? Otani yeah. in the first one? Otani yeah, against it. Soto and then Perez against Alonso. Yeah. I tell you what, though, Soto to me is a sleeper because people are, you know, people are thinking, you know, well, he didn't hit that many home runs in the first half, but. I tell you what, man, this guy, he's got power to all fields and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. And, and, uh, you know, you, you see some of his things he does at home plate while he's hitting, you know, he's a showman and, and, you know, normally people who are mm-hmm. showmen put on a good display in this, in this event. Yeah. I'm kind, like of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of bummed. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think go for it, John. 
No, I, I was just going to say, you know, I think so. I think you're right. I think Soto is a dark horse here. Simply, he reminds me a lot of Abreu. Now, I think I think Soto Soto's a better a better pure hitter than than Bobby Abreu. But when when Abreu was in the home run derby, I don't think he was considered a favorite. And but, but because he has a swing where he can hit it to all fields, where he can go left, he can go center, he could go right, and he just he just went off in that in that home run derby. I think you could see something similar with Juan Soto. So I, I don't think he'll beat Otani. I think Otani will come out of that will come out of that matchup. And I, I also think Alonso, um, you know, he's Alonso's got experience in, in the home run derby. He I think he won it a couple of years ago. So um, you know, I think I think uh, Alonso comes out of the uh, the matchup with Salvador Perez as well. Sorry, Brandon, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, Brady, I didn't mean to jump all over you there. No, no, you're all good. I was just gonna say I'm just bummed that Otani and Soto are matched up in the first round because, in my opinion, those are the two guys that I'm most excited to watch tonight and and I know that it's just a simple equation that Otani has the most home runs in the field and Soto has the least home runs so they get that 1-8 matchup but it's a bummer to me cuz cuz those are the two that I really think are the must watch players but but I agree with you both I think it's going to be Otani and and Pete Alonso you know Salvador Perez should not be overlooked here he's having such a good season and he has so many home runs this year but I think Alonso's swing and style just works better in a derby uh than Perez yeah, I agree with all you guys. I think it'll be fun also to see Otani with that story of him not only being the number one seed in the home run derby, but then also being the started starting pitcher in tomorrow's all-star game and then also being the starting DH in the lineup, something we've never seen. So obviously we want to see that story keep carrying on. But then Pete Alonso also has a chance to be, I guess you could call it back-to-back home run derby champ since we didn't have one last year. So those are cool stories. I agree with you guys. I see them coming out and battling for that left side. What about going into the right side? You got Joey Gallo going against Trevor Story and then Matt Olson taking on Trey Mancini. Crocky, who do you have coming out of that? Well, I, I got Joey Gallo. I, th- I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think Joey has a chance to win it all. But I, I, he, he will win it all if he gets past the first round because, uh, you know, he's not going to be well liked in Denver because he's going up against Trevor Story. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah, he's not, he's going to be, uh, you know, probably booed, but, uh, you know, <laughs> once he hits about 550 feet, that can all change. But I got Joey Gallo beating Trevor Story, and uh, and uh, you know, I look, I I want Trey Mancini to win, but I think Matt Olson has a swing that's that's dialed in for a home run derby. Uh, you know, he has a little bit of that uppercut swing and and uh, unbelievable power. He and, and you know, we're I was talking to my son about this today, like. These guys, it's good. This is going to be unlike pretty much any other home run derby we've seen where these guys can actually miss hit balls and still hit it out. So uh, <laughs> I think the numbers are going to be astronomical. Mm. I hope they are, uh, for the fans sake and for, uh, you know, whatever charity they're doing it for sake. Uh, but yeah, I think these guys are going to put on a show that we've never seen before in a home run derby. Yeah, that is an interesting story too that we haven't mentioned yet. The fact that Trevor Story is playing and hitting um on his home field. So that could give him advantage right there, even though Joey Gallo is one of the favorites. Mm. Um John Stolness, who do you have coming out of that side? 
That's exactly what I was going to say with Trevor's story, and that's why I, I think Story beats Gallo here. I, I like the the fact he's hitting in his home stadium. He's going to probably be comfortable. Um, you know, I know he does. He's only got eleven home runs this year, so Joey Gallo has been on a homer rampage as of yet. But again, this is a very different, a different thing, very different type situation. And I'm just, you know. I think you're going to get some some upsets along the way here, so I think Trevor Story is a good one to pick. Uh, and then I think Matt Olson, frankly, is is the dark horse to win the, to win it all here. I, I think Olson he has had streaks in in his major league career where he goes on kill crazy rampages with the long ball also, and no one's talking about Matt Olson. He's one of the best pure sluggers in the American League. He's got a lefty swing that'll play really really well in Colorado and. I would not be at all surprised if Matt Olson at least makes the finals, and if he doesn't win the whole thing, I have him. I have him beating Trey Mancini in that matchup, also. And Brady, what about you? As just so we can give you an update, Mancini is the first one on. He has about forty-five or two minutes, fifteen seconds left in his first round. But Brady, who do you have? All right. Well, I'm going to start with with that matchup so that I, you know, don't get to cheat and wait till he's finished. <laughs> I'm going to go with Mancini here. I think Olsen's the smart pick, but I feel like I need at least one, you know, underdog sleeper here in, in my bracket. So I'm, I'm going to go with Mancini here. And then on the other side, I got to go with Joey Gallo. I, that swing is just, my God, he, he's got some holes <laughs> in his offensive game, but being able to hit home runs is not one of them. Uh, if he's got the right pitches teed up, I think he is just going to take off. And Trevor Story, you know, for everything, for all we've said about him and, and he is at home. Interesting fact, Trevor Story only has six home runs at home this year in 40 games. Uh, he just hasn't been able to, to get the ball over the fence anywhere. So I'm going with Joey Gallo on that side. Wow. Yeah. That's something that I didn't even notice there. So maybe that's not going to play out to what everybody's expecting. So maybe Gallo does have an easier ride than we were thinking. So with all that being said, before we really get watching this whole thing and guys start going, we need it on record. Crucky, who do you say wins it all? Joey Gallo. Stolness, what about you? Uh, give me, give me Pete Alonzo going back to back. Okay, I like it. And Brady? I, I feel like this is a dangerous pick, but I have to go with Shohei Otani. I feel like the favorite never actually wins in the home run derby, uh, but I I still have to pick him. Yeah, that's my reason for not taking him. I don't want to choose the same one that any yeah, of you guys Yeah, Mancini's starting to get into the groove here as we're watching in the first round, man. He just took that break, and it completely shifted his momentum. I think he got the nerves out in that first minute. Um, I'm going to go just to switch it. So we have at least one winner. Hopefully I'll take Stonus's advice from his breakdown of the right side and I'll go Olsen. Let's say Olsen. Somebody's going to win guys <laughs> or else we're a jinx. <laughs> Old take. <laughs> yeah. Now maybe I just jinxed it. <laughs> um, as we watch Mancini kind of finish out this last minute, I can't, he has 11 home runs so far. 12 now that I said that. Um, what are you guys thinking are going to be the average? Do you think the first and second round obviously are three minutes each? You expecting like 15 to 20 home runs out of each person each round? Is that kind of the average going into this? What can people expect? Yeah, I think, I, I think, you know, yeah, you want anywhere between 15 and 20, I think is a good first round. Mancini's looking like he's at 15 right now. So. With 20 seconds left, so hopefully, you know, 
Hey, the more the merrier, man. I I <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't mind seeing someone hit a hundred and something. What about you, Stonis? What do you think that average of people? Yeah, I mean, as we're, yeah, I, I think you're seeing it right here with Mancini. I think it's probably going to be in the 15 to 20 range, unless, you know, it's, you're watching, he's already getting tired. You can, you can see with probably about like 30 yeah. seconds left, he was starting to get, he was, he was really starting to have to swing a little bit harder to get the bat around. So yeah, 15 to 20 sounds about right. Um, you could probably see a guy go, 20 to 25 if he gets off to a hot start and uh, doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't get to a little bit of a, a, a slow beginning like uh, Mancini did. But that's a really good first round for Mancini. He's got to feel good about his chances against Greg Olson hitting 19 in the first round. I know my guy might get knocked out first. I don't know why I took your advice, John. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I Well, see, the, here's where the lesson comes in. Do not take my advice about anything. I mean, this is something that people who know me <laughs> yep. know. So. <laughs> what about you, Brady? What do you think we can expect today? Yeah, I think I think numbers wise, I think most of the winners in this first round are going to be in the low twenties. I think we're going to see everyone hanging in that like sixteen to twenty-two range, and I think most of the people on the losing halves of the brackets are going to be you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and the winners are going to be maybe more in that twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two range. Hey, I think I think the thing too we have to. Keep, keep in mind that we sometimes forget, or that I forget, uh, you know, Mancini's got 19, but he's got a, an extra minute in bonus time. So, you know, we might see. That's right. We might see guys averaging 20 to 25 in this thing, depending on how much, uh, what was how far he? they got to hit it to get a, get a 30 second bonus, like 450 feet or something. Is that what it is? That's what I was just going to ask. What determines that bonus? I think they have to hit however many they hit over X amount of feet. I don't know what it is here in Colorado. I think I think it used to be like 450. If you hit it over 450 feet, you get uh, bonus time. Just hit it looks like one. it's uh, you get an extra 30. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I for the thing I'm reading is it's an extra 30 seconds for a home run at 475 feet or longer, and then you get caps out. Oh wow, a minute so. I could Jeez. have that wrong. Okay. That's the first thing I found on Google. Well, I mean, given Coors Field, everybody's going to get bonus time. <laughs> but I'd also, yeah, it looks like that if we're seeing uh, it already. Uh, I also heard that uh, these home run derby balls, you know how they put the balls in the humidor up there? Uh, apparently yeah. These home run, apparently these home run derby balls mm. are not seeing any parts of the inside of that humidor. Hmm. So basically, throw a Titleist out there and let him take a whack at it. That's that's what they're hitting right now. <laughs> so so they they took the baseball that's literally designed for home runs, put it in a field that's literally designed for home runs, and then took the best home run hitters and gave it to them. Yes. We're gonna see some fireworks here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and after yeah, that right. extra minute. So- Mancini just added on five more, so now he's racking up twenty four. After his first round, huh. so not a bad start, yeah, I guess start what, to today. What's what's the who has the advantage? The guy going first or the guy going second? Do you think? I mean, I, I think it, it's a clock. So I mean, both guys have to you know have to hit as many home runs as they can within the time allotted, which is different than how it used to be. It used to get a certain number of outs. I love this. I like this version a whole lot better because it's it's kind of I think it's a lot more fun. But 
you know, I, I'm sitting here wondering, like, is it easier to hit home runs if you know how many you have to hit and be the second guy? Or would you rather be the first guy to hit? I think I think I would rather be the second guy to hit. Yeah, the, the thing is, though, if you go first and you put up a big number like Mancini just did right here, uh, you know, the thing with who's going next, Otani? No, I think they have it, the bracket, so it'll be... Olsen. Yes. Yeah, Olsen, right? So yeah. The thing with Olsen right now is, is, uh, you know, with utilizing the three minutes and not panicking, you know, let's say he has 18 home runs with, you know, 20, 30 seconds left, you know, knowing that you might get a, a, you know, a minute of bonus, you know, you can't panic and, and put yourself out of reach by panicking and thinking, Oh, I got to swing quicker and, and get this thing over with quicker, you know, uh, I, I think that's a big thing is going second is utilizing the clock. Now, if a guy, yeah. if a guy, you know, craps the bed and <laughs> only hits a few homers, then you can really pace yourself and take your lead and get a, get a good rest for the next round. Yeah. And I so th- also think it's, the and I think it's interesting how they kind of set that, um, 30 second break that they get during the round as well. Mancini, I like how he did it, how, he did it right before, um, probably about like 50 seconds into it. So then it kind of, he got the nerves out, he got it gone. And then he really, you saw him settle in those final two minutes. So I think that makes a difference as well. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and you know, people don't take oh. into consideration the, uh, the, the actual, uh, BP pitchers. You know, there's a lot of pressure on them. They're not used to throwing BP <laughs> in front of 50,000 people, you know? Oh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you're watching this with here with Olsen hitting and the guy throwing, like he's throwing a couple cutters. Uh, remember, I think Bryce had yeah. his brother throwing to him one year and, and didn't he hit him? Mm-hmm. I think his brother hit yep. him with a pitch. <laughs> yes. I think that's right. I think it was his dad. Yeah. Yeah. No, the first one Bryce was in, I think his brother threw to him. And then the, the one he won, his dad threw to him. Or maybe okay. Okay. So he was like, time, brother, but... you're out. <laughs> Yeah. After yeah. that one year. <laughs> yeah, Olsen almost hit Olsen on the knee there. All right, good. He took yeah, his okay. time I was out. Say, I was going to say, Olsen was, it looked yet. like he was, he, he's, I mean, he got, he looked like he was hitting a lot more than, than 10 home runs. I mean, he got in a really good groove there. I mean, hitting some moonshots, but he's still, he, he's still way behind. He's still got a minute, a little, what, a minute, over a minute and a half before he, before his round's over. But, you know, He's got a lot of work left to do. I just showed you how good a how good a groove Mancini got in there in the, in, in the uh, in the spot right before him. Yeah, yeah I really I, think I, it is all on the break timing there for these first ones. I think it's proven out. Crucky, what were you about to say? Well, you know, he's getting a lot of balls that are cutting in on him that are hard to keep fair. Even though it's even though it's batting practice, there's those balls are still hard to keep fair. Yeah, and hard to get up in the air yeah. too when they're low like that. And he's probably hitting a lot of those balls. We aren't seeing them, but it looks like he's hitting a lot of them foul that have the distance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He needs to get a new pitcher at his Well, break. he's earned one thirty second bonus so far. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's, so he's, he's earned a 30 second seconds. bonus. So he's going to get another 30 seconds here. And the nice thing that ESPN has on, on screen as we're, as we're watching this, they have an, uh, an on pace thing. So they, he basically tells you, tells you what he's up. on pace for, given. 
Yeah, I like this. It's in the you know it's starting now. The needle's starting to move up on pace for eighteen. He's got twelve right now. So it's, but I, again, that clock is ticking down. That clock is ticking down. This is not looking good for Matt Olson. No, yeah, he's, he's still twelve behind, and he's got thirty seconds left in this original one, and then he's got a minute of bonus. So he does have some time, but you got to wonder if he can make up double his amount now in order to win. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I tell you what, though, he's hitting some hellacious line drives. <laughs> yes, he is. Is those, <laughs> those don't count in this. He got a lot of doubles here. Okay, Sam, well, I we thought it was a gutsy see... call picking Matt Olson to win the whole thing. Gutsy call know, all on your I own did... picking Matt Olson to, to win it all. <laughs> all by yourself. No help from anyone. You know what? One. You said dark horse, and it totally drew me <laughs> in. I was like, you know what? I'm going for it. Yeah. <laughs> But it makes it fun. We all have somebody different, you know? Couldn't say Alonzo. You stole my actual pick, so I went yeah. with your dark horse. But while we're waiting oh. for him to get his bonus time, let's get in to Shohei Otani. I already brought it up how he's the first ever player to be the number one mm-hmm. seed in the home run derby, a starting pitcher in the all-star game, and then also the starting DH for the same team. Does he open doors for more players to come and do this? Or is, do you guys not think that any other players for a long time are going to be able to even match and compare and rise to his level? I, I personally, I hope we see more of guys that could, uh, play both, uh, you know, go, go both sides of the ball, pitch, hit, defend. Uh, you know, there's so many guys. I remember, uh, I forget who I was talking to in a Braves organization, but they said that, you know, Freddie Freeman had been clocked at like in the upper nineties, uh, when they had, uh, Andrelton Simmons, he was clocked at the upper nineties pitching, you know, uh, mm. so, you know, there, I think there's guys who could do it. Like it wouldn't surprise me someday, hopefully someday soon that maybe not a starting pitcher, but maybe like a closer. Some guy just flipped over the rail. It's, that's not good. That's what I was concerned I saw about that. in the beginning. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, 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 you know, I think there could be a guy, uh, that, you know, you see some of these outfielders, Kevin Kiermeyer throwing, you know, 98 miles an hour from the outfield. Uh, you know, the Philly Roman Quinn threw one at 96 <laughs> from center field. I, you know, ah. uh, I think eventually these guys can, uh, oh, he lost by one. Wow, he really wow. started round, wow. racking up in that final bonus minute. Oh, yep. So my pick's out. I'm eliminated. But <laughs> well, that doesn't mean you can leave. Twenty-four to twenty-three. <laughs> yeah, peace, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice talking to you, Sam. <laughs> um, Crucky, go on with what you were saying. Yeah, it's, right. I think I think th- it wouldn't surprise me if you saw a guy who could, uh, like, maybe be a closer. Yeah, and well, going to your point and just like thinking of names, I'm just trying to think of really athletic um pitchers that you also see. And one guy that came to my mind was Thor from the Mets. I'm blanking on his actual name right now. Um Noah Syndergaard. Syndergaard, yes. Yeah, Noah Syndergaard. So, but you you see guys with that makeup and that athletic and Tyler Glass now. And you have to wonder, like those guys, if they really, really wanted to and if they were able to stay healthy – they could be at first, they could be in the outfield kind of situation. So well, it is something that it makes me wonder if you're going to see guys trying to stay healthy and be that dual threat. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom was signed as a shortstop out of Setson. 
Oh wow! And now he's now he's the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Kenley Jansen was drafted as a catcher, and he was turned into a pitcher. So, yeah, there's there's plenty of guys. Look, look you know, I, I know it's getting more specialized here as far as young kids, you know, a pitcher only or whatever. But, uh, you know, most of your best players in high school are probably your best pitcher, and they're also your shortstop. Mm-hmm. So, so to say that guys can't do it, the sad thing is when they get to college, it's like you're either one or the other. Uh, you know, some colleges say, screw it. You know, you, if you can hit, you can play in the field. And, you know, when it's your turn to pitch, you're going to pitch. I, I hope they baseball, major league baseball, minor league baseball gets back to that to let guys try it at least. You know, I, I you know, think, think about the boredom of being a starting pitcher. You pitch. <laughs> You have to wait five <laughs> days before you can participate in another game. So how nice would it be to go out like, you know, DH or, or, or play, you know, right field or whatever, you know, somewhere. Just give them something John, to do other than just sit there and do nothing. Go ahead, Solness. What were you about to say? I, I was going to say one of the things that, that I speculated about, uh, about with Shohei Otani is, uh, yeah, and, and why more players don't do it is because, and, and you would know this better than I, but a hitter spends, you know, it, it's their craft to work on, on their hitting, right? I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're spending a lot of hours in the cage. They're spending a lot of hours breaking down their swing. They're down, breaking down film, all that kind of stuff. And starting pitchers, they're, they're spending all their time working with catchers on game plans, looking at the, their, who they're going to be pitching the next, pitching against next time out. And so, it's so it's like you said it's so regimented especially when you get to the to the big league level is it even possible for i mean shohei otani came from japan to the united states already having this skill set are minor league teams are minor league systems even set up to be able to develop players to do both at this point because it seems like there's so much work that has to be done so much work that has to be put into making a hitter a, a position player, a good hitter at the major league level, and so much work that has to go into turning a young pitcher into a good major league pitcher at the big league level that it doesn't seem possible to me, logistically, time-wise, that you would have the ability to do both unless you were just a freak of nature athlete. No, I, I agree with that. But I, I like I said, I think right now the way it's set up in the minor leagues and because of the, uh, you know, this dreaded fear of injury, uh, you know, we don't want our pitcher hitting. We don't want him playing the field. But when you watch, well, they don't do it anymore. But when I played, like some of our pitchers were our best outfielders. Mm, uh, yeah. Roger McDowell was a, was an unbelievable outfielder. Mitch Williams was an unbelievable outfielder in BP and they could have done it in a game if they wanted to. Um, but I, I think now it's like, you know, because of whatever, the money, uh, you know, the lack of, you know, so many teams are looking for pitching that I'm afraid they're, they're afraid to turn their pitcher into something else, afraid that they might get hurt doing that something else and fearing mm. for their job if they allow that to happen. No, I that's a wonder, great point, too. Go ahead, Brady. I, I wonder if we're going to see any of these young prospects come up that maybe have a little bit of leverage in this situation now that they've seen what Otani can do. Like I was thinking today about Bubba Chandler, who just got drafted today in the third round by the Pirates. And and he was a player who was, you know, seen as a a high to mid first round talent. 
pitcher and a shortstop, but he's also committed to Clemson on a football scholarship as a quarterback. So there are those signability issues as to whether someone can pay him enough to not go to Clemson and play football. And I wonder if for a player like him, who, you know, has talked about wanting to be a two-way baseball player at shortstop and pitcher, I wonder if he can use that at all, you know, to leverage himself to, you know, increase your chances of signing if you let me play both of these positions instead of pigeonholing me into one position that might not even be my best position. You know, I, the first thing I think baseball has to start getting over, and I get it when you pay a guy a lot of money, you want to protect them. But I think we overprotect players now. Like, and, and I think the mm. 10 day injured list is a lot of that reason because it's so easy to put a guy on and he, you know, he might only miss, uh, you know, if they have a couple off days, they might only miss eight games. Uh, mm. you know, and pitchers, they might only miss one start. So it's such a, it's like they're trying to protect the player so much. Like, you know, a guy has a, strain or something. I'll put him on the injured list and we'll bring someone else. You know, first of all, uh, you know, it, it's hard to find 25 really good players on one roster, but when you're asking to find mm. 30 to 35 because of all the guys that go on the injured list, it's just not there. The talent level is just not there. And you're bringing up kids that aren't ready to come up. And, uh, they can get overmatched and lose their confidence and who knows what happens to them after that. But I, I think you have to start in the minor leagues. Let these guys play. You know, you know, we, 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 mm. they watch pitch counts. They watch everything. And I get it. Uh, you know, you have to watch your pitch count, but like, you know, get, you know, uh, we have a guy that came up with the Philly, Spencer Howard. You know, he had, I forget how many starts in minor leagues, then he had a mm -hmm. bunch of starts here, but they would never let him go over 45, 50 pitches. Mm -hmm. Like, like what, what did the, what did they do for him that made his progression? Cause you don't know what you're going to have next year when the season starts with Gab or with or Spencer. And it's, and it's not fair to him. Hey, Sam, we've got, uh, two awesome people from Amazing Avenue, our, Met site, Linda Surovich and Allison McCaig. I think it's McCaig. I hope I'm saying that correctly. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. How you doing, Allison? Thank you for so joining us. Thank you, John. Glad to be here. <laughs> you take it away. Allison, Linda, welcome in to our show today. Um, as Michael already said, you guys are from Amazing Avenue's pod of their own, and you guys cover the Mets. So I'm from Philly. You got John Stolness. You got John Cruck. We're all Philly lovers. So oh, no. I don't, <laughs> I can't speak for them, but I know for me, it was a super love hate pick with you guys getting that right handed pitcher, Kumar Rocker, last night at number 10. Yeah. What were both of your thoughts while watching those first couple picks and seeing him fall to you guys? Was it, did you know you were going to get him? When did you guys kind of realize and what were your initial thoughts? Oh my goodness. So my story of this pick is that um, my boyfriend and I were on vacation last week and we were driving back from Vermont in the car, listening to it on the radio, listening <laughs> to the draft on the radio um, while it was happening. And he said before the draft started, I think that Rocker could fall to us. And I said, 
you're a Mets fan. You're deluding yourself. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment. This is what always happens. No, I refuse to like allow myself to hope. Right. Um, and as they're driving, like he stays on the board with each pick, he stays on the board. And I'm like, no, no, no. All that's happening right now is that we're setting ourselves up for maximum disappointment where he falls to us and the Mets pick someone else. That is fully what I expected to happen. And then when they announced it, we were, we were driving and we just started screaming in the car. I, I have never been this excited about a draft pick. Um, I can't remember if I was ever this excited about a draft pick. Like, the Mets are so lucky, and I feel like the Mets have distinctly changed their draft strategy in the past couple of years where they've just gone really hard in the first couple of rounds and just spent over slot, and I think that it's the right move because you need to make sure that you get those top couple of picks right because baseball is different from other sports where most of your talent is going to come from like those top one or two picks, and you just got to go all in. And I think the Mets have realized that that's the right strategy and they're going for it, and I couldn't be happier. Well, similarly, like, I saw, like, rumors on Twitter where they're like, Mar Rocker could be there at 10. I was like, no, these are just delusional mess hands. I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> um, and I was at, I was with a bunch of my cousins yesterday, and they're like, oh, this guy went first, and we were, like, kind of keeping each other um, updated. And they're, I was like, wait, Rocker's still there at 10. I was like, are they really going to do it? Like, because, you know, we're still in that mindset of the Wilpons. Like, would they pay him? Like, that was always the fear was would they pay the overdraft or overslot fee? And uh, they paid him like he was a top five prospect, which he, you know, was a year or two ago before he fell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That way, like, you're still tense, like, will they actually sign him? Will they actually do it? Because we're still in, like, that Wiltonian uh, sense of, you know, that they don't pay for talent. Um, but I think that, you know, like Allison said, even last year they did start doing that. Like, Matthew Allen, um, would, they, they definitely went hard for. So it seems like they're definitely, the strategy has changed. And you can't hope to hit on a Jacob DeGrom in the ninth round. Like, he's a rarity. <laughs> That's not, he's like, he's a unicorn. You can't count on finding, you know, a Jacob DeGrom every year. Um, so, you know, this just feels like everything's coming up Mets, which is strange because I don't know how Mets fans know how to react to when things are going well. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Philly fans tend to commiserate with that. Yes, Mets yes, fans totally well. don't know how to act right now. Like, no, Mets they don't. Fans want to be miserable is like their default state. And so when good things are happening, they just like don't know how to process it. And they're like, but, and then they find something to complain about. And I'm like, no guys, this is, this is good. Like we're happy right now. That's what's happening. You need to be at peace with that, but you can be happy about your baseball team. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you guys. Like I said, not happy for me, but with Rocker having the success he did, he was a little shaky this year, but then the success he had in 2019 and then obviously being a college arm coming out, he'll, he should climb faster than most. Do you guys see him coming up and, and within the next couple of years and pitching behind DeGrom at some point? That's the I'm, dream. Yeah, I was going to say that's the hope. And Vanderbilt obviously has a wonderful program. So um, he probably is closer. I mean, not to disparage other programs, but they're known to develop pitchers, as we see with Jack Leiter, mm-hmm. too. Although yeah. he has so... 
Um, I could see him probably being up in a year or two, as long as, you know, everything, like, you know, health-wise, knock on wood. Um, but, yeah, I don't see anything. Because it, it was also unfortunate because Matthew Allen had Tommy John surgery, so they're very barren in their pitching prospects right now. Um, so I can kind of see the organization really throwing everything behind him and really trying to develop him as fast as they can, well, within reason. And they're going to need, I mean, like, everyone says don't draft for need, and that's absolutely correct, but the Mets absolutely are in a situation where they need MLB-ready pitching talent right now because, obviously, they have DeGrom, but Stroman is in his walk year um, after accepting the qualifying offer this year. Yeah, Syndergaard is in his walk year coming back from Tommy John surgery. So they basically don't have much behind DeGrom, and I think that they really are hoping that um, they can develop pitching talent quickly. Um, with Rocker, like, what encourages me about him is that, like, his slider is an MLB-ready pitch right now. Yeah. Um, and what encourages me about him is that not only is does he already have, like, a like 70-80 grade pitch that's already ready, Major League ready right now, he also is a player that CC Sabathia said in his analysis of him that knows wh- when to use his secondary pitches. And that's the type of baseball IQ thing that comes with the like an already fully developed, fully realized pitcher, right? Like that's the type of thing that you have to develop. But the fact that he's already way far along in that baseball IQ and that situational awareness of when to use his secondary pitches speaks really well to me. It's that fastball that's going to need some work um, in development uh, because obviously he had that velocity drop. How much of that is due to, you know, the college workload and how he'll have to adjust to an MLB workload and how much of that is due to something in his delivery that may need to be tweaked by the Mets coaches is unclear. And that's where I feel like the difference between, you know, him being ready very soon and him needing a little bit more seasoning is going to lay, basically. I think you said it perfectly with you don't draft for need, but you can't go wrong with a guy like Rocker. So exactly like you said, he should be up there in a few years, hopefully for you guys, not for us. But reports did come out the last couple of days that the Phillies now have the best odds starting the second half to win the entire NL East by the end of the season, despite you guys um, three and a half <laughs> games leading ahead of us right now in the division. How do you guys see the second half playing out? Do you guys have your eyes on any trades that can happen within the next couple of weeks? And what do you see for the rest of the season with this NL East? Well, I'm completely biased. Um, I want them to trade for Chris Bryant. Um, but in, and I, Allison is weird because Allison ended up at, um, we, I live in the Hudson Valley, so the Renegades are not too far from me and they're now the Yankees minor league team. And, um, they were playing the Cyclones, which was the Mets triple A, I mean, a single A team. So, um, so the Cyclones and the Renegades are playing. So since the Renegades aren't too far from me, I was going to, I went Saturday to see the Renegades and Cyclones. And of course, Francisco Alvarez wasn't there because he got called up to the, like, the <laughs> Futures game. And I really wanted to see Alvarez, but I got to see Mauricio and Mauricio's huge. Um, I don't see him sticking at shortstop. Plus, Francisco Lindor is going to be there for 10 years. Um, so if anything, I can see them 
dangling Mauricio out there. Um, and possibly for Brian, although there was talk about, you know, there was rumors about Josh Donaldson. So maybe they could package him with Jose Berrios. Um, but they definitely need, like Allison said, there's, their starting pitching is very thin. They're hoping for Carrasco and Syndergaard, but you can't count on them at this point. So you really don't know what, you I mean, even if they come back, you don't know what they're going to give you if they're going to be a hundred percent when they come back. Um, so they definitely, I, if I were them, I would focus more on starting pitching than I would. Chris Bryant, even though I really, really want him. <laughs> uh, um, but starting pitching, and even maybe even bullpen help because their bullpens look a little, their bullpens are up really strong at the beginning of the year. And now their bullpens looking a little shaky the past couple weeks. Um, but I definitely see some addition being made. Um, I guess it's just what they feel their biggest need is because I feel like they're going to hit. You know, they haven't hit all year, but they haven't really been gotten into a groove all year because they haven't had their whole team the whole mm-hmm. year. Somebody's always been on the IL. So JD Davis is coming back after the All-Star break and he's their last piece. So then maybe we can finally see, at least in those two weeks before the trade deadline, what this offense can really look like with every piece finally back together and then maybe just focus on a trade for a starting pitcher like Jose Barrios or um, I don't know. I doubt the Nationals <laughs> pictures are in the division, but you never know. Yeah, yeah I it's... feel like starting pitching is absolutely key for this team. I like. I think that Carlos Carrasco's timing and his return is is key to deciding where the Mets go at the deadline because it's going to be kind of a close call about. Carrasco is supposed to do one rehab assignment like during this all-star break, basically. And then the Mets are saying he might be back after that. And like to the extent that he is back and what he looks like could really determine their direction because the difference between having like three starting pitchers versus four solid starting pitchers is huge. Um, but the Mets need another starting pitcher regardless. I think it will just simply determine like how hard they go and who they go for. Um, whether they go for a guy with extra team control like Barrios that might cause them to have to give up one of their top prospects, which the Mets are saying they don't want to part with, but I feel like that's a lot of like, you know, we say that in the media so we have leverage sort of situation, you know? Um, so I feel like the Mets really desperately need a starting pitcher, whether that's more of a one year rental or one with team control. Um, is to be determined, but they, they need pitching help. They need pitching help desperately um, in order to make this run. As far as the rest of the NL East is concerned, um, I, you know, I get concerned about a different NL East team making a run every week because the rest of the division is so (laughs) bunched under the Mets. Like the Mets have, the Mets have maintained like a three to four ish game lead for, you know, the past while now, but you know, each team has, you know, had winning streaks and losing streaks underneath and been the team that's had the advantage over the bunch. Obviously, the Marlins are, you know, in the basement, and I think they will remain so. But the other three teams are all very tightly packed. And I I was concerned about the Nationals heading in, but then Kyle Schwarber had that devastating hamstring injury, unfortunately, and he was doing so well for them and hitting all those leadoff home runs. And I feel like that their winning streak was really on the back of that, and that kind of killed it. And then, you know, the, the Braves can always hit. It was their pitching that was a problem. And then Acuna had that absolutely devastating ACL injury that 
really sucks for baseball and just like real it makes me sad to see it but it does mean that the Braves are less of a factor than they were before I think um not having that MVP caliber player in their lineup and it's really just Freeman um but then the Phillies don't the Phillies were very injured but now they're getting healthy again and Zach Wheeler's at the top of their rotation along with Aaron Noah and they're they're a good baseball team and I don't think they can be underestimated at all I think of the NL East teams I'm actually most nervous about them right now, given the mm-hmm. injuries to the other teams. <laughs> I should tell you something about that bullpen, though. Oh, I know. Trust me, I know all too well. Awesome, ladies. <laughs> yeah, thank you so bullpen. much for joining us. Before we let you go, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and where they can find your podcast. Absolutely. So I am at Petite PhD on Twitter, and our podcast is at a pod of their own on Twitter. Um, and if you subscribe to Amazing Avenue Audio, wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find our show and all of the other awesome pods um, on Amazing Avenue. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And you can find me at Linda Servich. So I'm there and I'm usually tweeting about the Mets. Awesome. Thanks, ladies. Have a great night. Thank, thank you. you. So okay, guys. I hope you're still there. I see you guys on mute. But the biggest upset of the night so far. We're only in the second yeah. matchup here. I got knocked Boy out. called it. I, so Crookie, I me and you are just down the dumps, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. I, I, yeah, he couldn't get it going. And then he got it going there for a second. But I I, I noticed he kept, like, uh, you know, like uh, stretching out his shoulder. I don't know if his shoulder stiffened up on him, but. I'm going to make an excuse for him. That had to be it. (laughs) Had to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's nice. I mean, it it seemed like, it seemed like Trevor's. I'm sorry, Sam. I was just going to say, I think Trevor's story, it seemed like he was, it seemed like he felt right at home. I I couldn't really tell, you know, Joey Gallo's uh, pitcher, where he had pitching for him. It it seemed like, you know, like, like Crack was talking about just a few minutes ago. A lot of these pitches diving in, diving in, diving in. I mean, I know left-handed hitters like the ball, you know, low and in most of the time, but it just seemed like they were really having a hard time trying to, you know, get balls over the middle of the plate that Gallo could could elevate and get out of there. I mean, he it looked like he was going to not even be close until he went on a run in that bonus minute. Yeah, yet you, you know they always talk about the the hitter, how tired the hitter gets, but you know, as, as someone who's thrown a lot of batting practice. This, all different age people. Uh, you know, the, the hardest thing is uh, not only maintaining location of where the hitter likes it, but velocity too. Like, you know, sometimes you throw one that comes out of your hand better than comes out of some of the others. Uh, you know, and so your speed's inconsistent and it's up to the hitter to time it. You know, when you're in a situation like this in batting practice, that's why Larry Ball was the best BP pitcher I think I've ever had. Uh, because he, not only you knew, you know, like he could, you could tell him, I want a ball in, uh, now work me away, but it was always going to be the same, same speed. It was so consistent with the speed. And that's a big deal when you're, when you're hit, taking batting practice, uh, you know, and trying to, and trying to hit home runs is maintaining, uh, you know, the, your velocity. Clucky, to go along with that, how, like going into this, their BP pitchers, do you think, like, how many days beforehand are they pitching to them? How often are they getting ready? Are they throwing into walls? How serious do you think they take this? Well, the, 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 
that most of these guys are throw they you know they're coaches so they throw mm-hmm. every day uh and normally uh you know you have a certain guy uh you know de- depending on where you hit in the lineup you have basically the same guy throwing to you every day that you're in the lineup uh but you know, like I said, this is a different situation because you're used to throwing BP and there's a big screen around there and you see everything and all this. But, uh, oh, crap, there's my neighbor throwing, Dave Jeff. Uh, <laughs> he lives down the street from us in Florida. So, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, that that's that, uh, you know, getting used to the one guy, like the guys that bring guys in, uh, they'll normally bring them in to throw to them early. Uh, you know, if it's not your normal everyday batting practice, mm-hmm. picture, they'll bring them in early to throw. Like I saw the other day, Texas was playing Oakland and uh, Gallo and, and uh, Olsen were, were practicing without the net, without the batting cage. And they were practicing hitting home run derby without the net. So they were working on their home run derby swings. It doesn't shock me. I feel like in this well, kind of crowd with all this on the line, I would be doing the same thing. Well, it didn't work for either one of them so far. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Maybe they worried too much about it. <laughs> Maybe they overprepared. Right. <laughs> Alonzo already at the nine mark. He's got about two minutes left. He'll get a bonus as well, most likely. Yeah, he hit one about 514 feet, so he's definitely got at least one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, and he, he's been my, my, and he's a showman. Oh, yeah. He, he loves this stuff, but you know, the thing, uh, about him, like two years ago, I kept hearing people say, oh, he's, he's too big. You know, he's too big. He, you know, he, he's going to tire out. Uh, he swings too hard. He's going to tire out. Well, I don't know. After that, like, 500th homer he hit in that home run derby he seemed pretty fresh <laughs> after that after he raised that trophy well he has a swing where even though he is big and strong it doesn't look like he's overpowering it you know he's kind of got the good mechanics throughout his body that he uses everything instead of just upper body in it hey a man that can stand at home plate in front of about 50 something thousand people and dance yeah right? he's got some confidence hey, in there he, he yeah. ain't got that. there's not a whole lot of care going through that brain right now <laughs> he's Did enjoying you throw it. it. I hit it. No, that's. I was say he's won this before too, so he he knows mm-hmm. what to expect. He knows what he has to do. So you know, I think there's a certain relaxation. Like he's still jamming to music in his mind up at the plate as he's swinging. I mean, he's he's hearing. He's got some kind of jukebox playing in his brain right now as he's as he's up there <laughs> taking these swings, and he's getting a lot of balls right down the middle just right at the belt and smoking everything out of here. I mean, it just, it, it looks kind of effortless and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to watch because he is a, he is a big guy making the ball go a very, very long way. Well, so far, oh. uh, Dave Joust, who's pitching to him has been the most consistent. Yeah. I mean, everything's a little bit yes. higher than the belt, middle, middle in. And all, uh, same exact windup every all, single time, release point. Yeah, yeah, and all all Alonzo has to do is swing, and it's going to go in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really I mean, just looks like he's on repeat right now. All these pitches look the same. The swings look the same. 
a lot of the results look the same. Yeah, he's he's slowing down a little bit right now with about 15 seconds to go, but he's still already, I think he just hit his 23rd, and then he's going to have that bonus time too. So he's definitely going to be the leader on the board so far. God almighty, that's scary. Feeling pretty good about my pre-home run derby pick here. Feeling pretty good I know, right I'm now. so mad Not gonna because lie. I had Alonzo <laughs> on my sheet and I let the dark horse get to me, but it's okay. So he finished out Sam, with 25, but he still has that bonus. See, Sam, so. uh, hey, hey, John, I don't know if Sam explained <laughs> it to you, but we pick after every round. <laughs> oh, so yeah, we we'll get, we we'll get redos. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Sam, you're the host. If you we can pick you, every you round, gotta pick, you got to say, all right, I'm the host. I'm picking first from now on. That's you just got to run this stuff because I mean, yeah, he's this is such a great this is such a great swing watching him. They they got the super slow mo yeah. on ESPN, and it's it's really something else. Well, and like it's you effortless. said, the, and you see the confidence in it too. Now that this yeah. is his chance at being the back to back home run champion, but one thing that you did say that he's got definitely a song playing in his head. And that makes me think, Crocky, did you ever have a song that you would just always bebop <laughs> around to on the field? What was no. it back in the day? <laughs> no. I, I I don't even think we had walk-up music, which was fine with me. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Tony Gwynn, once they asked Tony about a walk-up song, and he said, I'm not going up there to dance. I'm going up there to hit. <laughs> uh, so All business yeah, for I, you guys. I, I, the only thing I had my mind going up was, uh, depending on who the pitcher was, was, uh, uh, you know, either swing early to get the hell out of there or, or, you know, be, be more like with Greg Maddox, you could probably be a little bit more selective knowing that, uh, you know, if he throws you three pitches, all three of them are going to be strikes because he just didn't throw many balls. Uh, then there was others. You had to go up there different with a different approach. But, uh, yeah, I never went up there with the song in my head. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I, you know, when I, when I listen to some of these walk ups music and stuff, like, I don't know, like, it, it's amazing to me, like, especially if it's a song you really like, like, how does that not stay in your head the whole at bat? You know, like you hear a song in the morning and the next thing you know, you're singing it at 10 o'clock at night too. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I played volleyball and every time I was a middle blocker and I would, for some reason, sit there every single game with the Mario theme song in my head going doop, 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 doop. So I had a song that I'd always bop to. It gave me confidence. But Stolness, Brady, what if you guys imagined yourself in this position and you had a song that would get your amps going up, what would it be? As Alonzo also uh, baby shark. absolutely crushes this. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Baby shark. <laughs> I said, what? Well, I mean, it's obviously successful. It's obviously a successful song. Uh, it, it spurred, it spurred a team to win a World Series. Uh, so yeah, I'll there go baby go. shark for, for my walk up music. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. That's it. Wow. I'd have to really think about that. I mean, there's been some great walk up music. I mean, at Phillies fans, of course, know Chase Utley with, uh, uh, with Cashmere. I mean, I, that's hard to beat. Uh, goodness gracious. Um, I don't know. Come back to me. I have no idea what my walk-up music would be. I know it's a tough one to put you on the spot. What about you, Brad? I feel like I would be one of those people who change my walk-up music like every series. I like it. Just whatever song I was feeling. I um, like it. I feel like that's what because you know when you when you 
when you kind of fall in love with a song for the first time, it kind of energizes you and inspires you. Um, so I think I think I would just be constantly rotating whatever my favorite song was for any given series. That would be my walk-up music. If I had to just choose one, I have no idea, but it would probably be something like Jay-Z. I feel like that that would be a good inspirational music to get you ready to hit a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, get you going. And now, obviously, Pete Alonzo absolutely shatters it, putting 35 home runs up in the first round tonight. So, obviously, music must be pretty important. Crucky, do you wish that you used to have a song? You think it would have added to the performance? No. No, I can't say it. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you, know, look, you know, hitting is a rhythm. And, you know, it's not only a rhythm with your swing, it's a rhythm with your pitcher. And, you know, Pete Alonzo gets that rhythm going in his head and it syncs up with this pitcher, Dave Jowse, his pit, you know, the BP mm-hmm. pitcher. Uh, they're going to walk away with this thing because it's, it was, that was impressive. Do you think Perez goes up to the plate right now and he's just like, heck with it. I'm just gonna, do you think yeah, he actually thinks five he can beat it? Tomorrow. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I gotta catch. I gotta catch five innings tomorrow. I'm gonna save some energy here. But you know what? He's a competitor and he's a winner. And uh, you know he he's not gonna he, uh, you know he's not gonna go down easy. He got a pretty good rhythm. Going I, I right think it's now. interesting. He's got his the first. He does, and I think it's interesting that this is the first left-handed pitcher we've had, we've seen so far tonight thrown to these guys. Every even with the right-handed hitters. We've seen right-handed pitchers. This is the first. Uh, this is the first lefty thrown to Salvador Perez. So kind of kind of interesting that I know right-handers generally see the ball better off of left-handers better in games, but um, here in the Derby, it's uh, Salvador Perez is the first one to have a, a southpaw thrown to him. Yeah, I yeah, think. Cookie, I think in, well, I think in a situation like this, if you're a right-handed hitter, you know, the last thing you want is a lefty to throw a ball that you know lefties have a natural right-to-left movement on their pitches, like, a, mm-hmm. you know, the ball's going to run away from righties. Mm, and the last thing you want home run derby the ball to run away from you. But this guy seems to be throwing pretty good. Like, you know, he's keeping it straight and pretty much centered for, uh, for Salvador Perez. While we wait to see if he can catch up to Pete Alonso, which is a, a big task, what are some trade deadline moves that John Stolness – uh, Brady, that you guys see coming up within these next couple weeks? Well, I think uh, I think you're going to see the Cubs sell. Cubs are going to sell a lot of guys. So I, I, I know uh, um, I know Chris Bryant is probably one of the guys you're going to hear talked about a lot. I, I think he'll probably go Wilson Contreras. Um, Wilson Contreras had some very interesting things to say in the media about his team the other day. He does not sound like a guy who is long for Chicago. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go someplace. Um, you know, I, I think you're going to see basically anybody else who, you know, hasn't been nailed down. I mean, maybe you see them even move somebody like Anthony Rizzo. May, maybe you see them move. I think for sure you're going to see Craig Kimbrell go someplace else, which again, as a Phillies fan, that seems like, that seems like a target for the Phils and for Dave Dombrowski to go after. Uh, any team, you know, anybody that's got a closer available, the Phillies should be hot on their heels. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see a, a bunch of Cubs move. I, and I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what a team like the Atlanta Braves do. Uh, you've just lost Acuna for the season. Your, your pitching's been bad all year. Mm-hmm. Yes, you play in a division that's not doing very well this year, but 
things just do not like look like they are in the cards for you if you are an Atlanta Braves fan, if you're if you're in the Atlanta Braves organization. Do you say, okay, listen, we won three straight division titles, we're a couple games under five hundred, we're just not getting any traction, and now we've lost our best player for the season. What do we do? Do we I certainly don't think they go out and buy. Is that a situation where the Atlanta Braves maybe sell some pieces and become sellers at the trade deadline? I think that could be an interesting situation. Brady, are there any trades that stick out yeah. to you? Yeah, I think kind of all those teams in that region. When you look at the Cubs, the Braves, the Nationals, the Cardinals, all teams that are just a few games below 500, they're close enough to the tops of their division that they still have some realistic hopes of winning the division. But those hopes are fading. And so I'm curious to see you know, if, if any of those teams come out of the break with a losing streak. Whatever hopes they have could fade pretty quickly, and they've all got some intriguing pieces that they could look to sell off and maybe retool for another year, two, or three down down the road. If you know, I think the Cubs are are a prime example here, like John mentioned, with with a guy like Chris Bryant. If you if you trade Chris Bryant, you know, in a, in a walk year like this, you don't necessarily have to hit the rebuild button. Maybe you get someone who's a little bit worse, but has you know three, four, five years of team control. And, and you can be retooling a little bit for the next few years. So those teams are the interesting ones to me because I really think what they do in the, that first, you know, five to ten games after the All-Star break, we're going to really see the trade deadline shape up as to who is going to be selling, who is going to be buying. And then it's just going to be a crazy season, I think. We mentioned this on the um, on our podcast that we did the other day that, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the market is like as as teams begin to kind of bid against each other because teams aren't willing to give away quite as much at the trade deadline as they used to be. But there are enough teams trying to win this year that a bidding war could just force teams to have to make some big moves. Hey, Sam, I've got Ashley McLennan from D-Rays Bay uh, ready to join us. Wanted to get her in before the uh, – Big Otani and uh, and and Soto. Michael, I appreciate the timing so that I have all my focus for the the big round. <laughs> we always have perfect timing here. So last night the Rays took a high school shortstop Carson Williams from California early in that first round. What was your first reaction to the pick? Did you like it? Was it a? Eh? No, picking a high school shortstop felt like a very razy kind of move. So it's the exact kind of guy they have the skill for development on. It's the exact kind of player that even if he isn't the next Wander Franco, he's the kind of guy that they can build up in their system to be a really exciting trade option later on down the road. So I'm totally happy with the pick. Were there any positions that you rather them had focused on with that first round pick? No, I think infielders are really kind of a power position for them. They do well developing pitchers too, but I think they've really shown that they have a lot of strength in in developing those young guys in middle infield positions that aren't just you know shortstops. They're adaptable to different positions around that infield, um, and and I think that it was a really smart pick for them. Now I know it's kind of soon, so I don't expect you to have all of the answers. But what's your initial reaction and feeling after the day two picks from earlier today? 
You know what? I have absolutely no strong opinions. <laughs> I know that he's a pretty solid slugger later on through the runs. I can't even remember his name right now. Um, I was just watching footage of him hitting, and he looked pretty solid at bat. But, um, yeah, I don't have any – like, there was nothing there that really made me angry. <laughs> and I have this general kind of solid opinion of the Rays farm system where, like, anyone they take um, is somebody that can develop. I know we were talking a little earlier about two-way players and how rare they are. Um, but you look at the Rays and a guy like Brendan McKay and the work that they've done developing and continuing to develop him as a two-way player. And and I think that just goes to show the, the kind of diversity they have in developing their players down there. So, Yeah, like you said, as long as it's not a bad feeling, then it's a win for you guys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Rays are just a game and a half behind the Red Sox for the top of the AL East. Do you see any significant moves for them coming before the trade line? Do you see them standing pat? How do you see the second half of the season going for you guys? Uh, the only thing I could see them doing just with Glasnow's injury and him on the 60-day IL, um, I know he says he's feeling pretty good, but I don't think that they're going to rush him to come back. I could see them kind of sniffing around for another starting pitcher. I know the Rays are kind of that franchise that looks like they can do just about anything they want in terms <laughs> pitching, I mean, with bullpen days and the opener, but I could see them kind of looking out and seeing what's out there in terms of a pitcher. Um, I could see them even trading a guy like, you know, just newly named um, all-star Joey Wendell, who I love and would be devastated to lose, but he's such a strong trade candidate for a team that has so many infielder options, um, and I think that they could probably get a pretty solid return for him. Um, I would hate it every minute of it. <laughs> feel like they really need pitching going into the second half of the season. Um, I could see them looking at him. I mean, they traded Willie Adamas earlier this year, um, which felt inevitable with Franco and Walls sitting in the minor leagues. So um, with a guy like Wendell, he's kind of limited option. Like, he's a fantastic hitter. He's a pretty solid defender. Um, but he, he is definitely on um, on the list of guys I think that they would be willing to part with. Awesome, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, let everybody know where they can find your podcast and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, you bet. Um, I run a podcast called Who's on Worst, where we look at the worst baseball movies and kind of go through them. And John, I'm so sorry to do this. We just did The Fan last week. (laughs) And I got to say, we had quite the time of it in your death scene at the end. We absolutely loved that moment. Um, so thank you. <laughs> but, oh, that, hey, that was rough. That, <laughs> yeah, we have lots of questions about why it didn't get played so in that degree. <laughs> Did you see how hard they had it raining when they killed me? Yes. Like, I, Very I unrealistic. So, so we thought the movie was going to come to an end because as I was running out for like the 10th time, like I had a full wetsuit on underneath my baseball uniform. So, like, I was very restricted uh, flexibility-wise. And so I had to run and jump over someone and then grab Robert De Niro. Well, the one time, like the tenth time I did it, I ran out, tried to jump over the guy, and he raised up, so he kind of clipped me a little bit, and I wiped him out and took out some lights and other stuff. And, uh... uh one of the, the assistant producer thought that uh, that might be the end of the movie because it wasn't in his contract for me to take him out. 
<laughs> so uh, we were worried about that part, but he 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 was good. He stayed in there and hung in, and we finished it. But I had to lay in that stuff, that pond, uh, for probably like two or three minutes every time we did that scene. So we had to do it like ten or fifteen times. Oh my gosh! I A man of many talents. In an A very wet looking scene for sure. Um, So yeah, you can find the the podcast on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. So just search D-Rays Bay on any podcast service and we're there. And I'm at 90 feet from home on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you again, Ashley. Okay, guys. Juan Soto is killing it. He's up first and then Otani will follow. What do you guys like about his swing so far? Nice and easy. Fluid swing. He's not over swinging and the ball's jumping, which is, you know, something that, uh, you know, when you get to watch him 18 times a year when he's playing against your team, uh, you see the swing quite often. Not, not, mm-hmm. no overswing, just nice and easy and just unbelievable power from this young man. I just adore watching Juan Soto yeah. swing the bat. It's just so smooth mm-hmm. and he, he gets to his power so effortlessly. It's just, you know, his swing almost looks like a guy who's hitting for average, not for power. And then you see where the baseball goes. Mm-hmm. I live in the D.C. area, so I see a lot of Nats games, even when they're not playing the Phillies. And he it's just nice to see him get some pitches to hit uh, for a change here because uh, he just <laughs> he doesn't get a lot of pitches to hit now. I mean, he's, he's he gets pitched around so often. I mean, that's one of the things you think is like he gets in there. He's like, is he going to know what to do with the ball over the plate? <laughs> because he just so rarely gets one. But it's what he does really well, and it's what he does when he's when he's at the plate, you know, in a big league ball game. Is he can take the ball to all fields. He's not a dead pull hitter. He's not somebody who's just going to try and yak stuff towards the right field foul pole. He's going to take the ball where it's pitched. He's getting, he's got power to left. He's got power to center. He's got power to right. And he made it look pretty easy there in the first part of his first round. And he's going to have some bonus time. It looks like too to to add to it. Just he's so. He's so young too. It's not fair. Oh yeah. He can be so good (laughs) and so young and so clutch. And, you know, even this year when he's having kind of what you would call quote unquote a down year, that he's still as good as he is. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy that, uh, that, that he, that this guy is as talented as he is. And he's put up 18 here before his one minute bonus round. He'll probably finish with. Somewhere between twenty-five and thirty, Otani's going to have his hands full here, guys. It's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see if Otani can overtake him. Yeah, the thing I marvel about Soto is, you know, like you said, he's so young, but he is he knows his strike zone so well at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Like I played with some great hitters, and it took them, you know, probably two or three years. As they were in the big leagues, they really know their strike zone and know their swing and know their body and how it's going to work throughout their swing. This guy, when he came up, had it at what, 19? I mean, it was just yeah. incredible to yeah. watch. And you kind of yeah. like, you know, you kind of like look at him, you're like jealous, like, who the hell's this guy? You know, he knows the swing, he knows <laughs> the strike zone, he doesn't swing at bad pitches. He'll take his walks, he'll take a single the other way, make a mistake, he's going to hurt you. Like, oh my God. And, and, you know, you know, with him, you know, Tani, of course, but Ronald Acuna Jr., Tatis Jr., I mean, the game of baseball, like, 
they're they're seeing generational players that you just don't see uh, coming up. Uh, and 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 again, you hope Ronald Acuna Jr. gets healthy uh, whenever he just whenever he can come back. You hope he comes back and he's a hundred percent ready to go. But I mean, these there there's some generational talent here that uh, you know we might not see for a long time. Yeah, just to go along hey, John, with that, it, there. Oh, go ahead, John Solness. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you could start your team with with any one of these guys, John, who who would you start it with? Would you start it with Acuna? Or would you start it with Juan Soto? I would. T- <laughs> I would go with Tatis Jr. Uh, you know, a shortstop that can hit leadoff or hit fourth and do damage mm-hmm. in both both ways. You know, in both both positions, but he can also play shortstop too. I mean. You know, look, I, it, it, it's a tough one because those other guys are corner outfielder. Lacuna could play center, but, and probably Soto could too, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think a, a shortstop that has the abilities that Fernando Tatis Jr. has, I think if I was starting a team, it would, uh, of those three, I think I would take him. Now, Soto just finished out that first round and he only added four in his bonus thing. So he's at 22. What are you guys hmm. feeling as Otani's about to step up to the plate? Be careful in the upper deck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I know I thought Otani would would outperform Soto. Obviously, we all I think we all picked Otani to to come out of the first round. But you know, now that it's coming, now that it's here, it's a lot. It's a lot for a guy like you mentioned at the beginning, Sam. For a guy who doesn't really take batting practice all that often, you asked the question at the very beginning. Well, the fact that he doesn't usually take BP like this, but now they're showing highlights from him in Japan. Apparently, he has been in a home run derby while playing in Japan before. That he, he's done this before, so maybe that's all oh, moved. That first swing, he's hitting bombs in a home run derby in Japan. He won yep. it. He won. I mean, no surprise, but you know, <laughs> there's no shock there. Yeah, it is one of the things as they're showing his swing. It just, so you're right. I, I was kind of nervous there, but now that they're showing the swing, I'm feeling excited more, but it does make you wonder if he's going to get a little nervous. Brady, how do you feel going into this? I'm feeling curious above all else because I, I think it's always just a fascinating thing to see such a good home run hitter in their first derby uh, because you know, the ability to hit the most home runs in, in baseball, that doesn't always translate to a derby where you're seeing different type of pitches. Uh, here you need to be able to regularly and consistently hit home runs instead of run into one on a 98 mile an hour fastball every third game or so. So I'm just kind of curious because he has a swing where we're going to see some incredible home runs. I think we're going to get the longest home runs of the night coming from him, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be able to just be consistently putting every pitch over the wall. So I'm just excited and curious more than anything. Yeah, that's amazing. It, uh, you know, he might be just a step above Trevor story as the uh, hometown favorite, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he is like, uh, it's like he plays for the angels. He's paid by the angels, but like he plays for baseball. You know, he like everywhere he goes, it's like a, a a show. Well, he's one of those guys that you know, no matter what he does right now, for example, you know you're going to see greatness and you're seeing history in this moment just for the fact that he was the number one overall seed and then you'll see him hit 
and pitch both starting tomorrow in the all-star game, you know? So it's always when you watch him, you know, you're going to get something as he hits line drives now. <laughs> yeah, no, this yeah, is not like, looking good like, so far. He's hitting line drive after line drive here. Yeesh. Ooh, look at him. Now yeah, he's he, in his head. It does make you a little nervous. It looked like he's working on his uh, first to third. Yeah. yeah. This is where that batting <laughs> practice, I'm telling you, where the batting practice could have come in handy. Who picked Otani? <laughs> um, let me scroll down <laughs> to my handy dandy sheet. Me. Brady! I it wasn't me. <laughs> it was, I, I, I did nothing. <laughs> I picked Pete Alonzo. I promise. <laughs> yeah, we all picked Alonzo. Don't you remember? Yeah, this is. That's right. That's right. There's a not redraft. Not what we were expecting. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, it was interesting. Uh, the before crowd, the, before they got started. I'm sorry, I was just saying, before they got started, his pitcher was real, was moving the mound around and needed a couple of practice throws. And, and Otani was up there kind of like, are we getting started here? And, and now, maybe now he's going to start to get some. Maybe now he's going to start to run into some here. Well, he did that. They, got a, they get a minute. They got a minute to warm up before this all started. You get a minute. Each player got a minute. And it took the guy pitching like 40 seconds to get the mound where he wanted it, you know, and the balls where he wanted it, the net where he wanted it. And it was, and Otani only got like five or six swings in that, in that, uh, practice mm. round that they took prior to. So uh, again, it, you know, it's, it's, it's almost about as much about the pitcher as it is the hitter. The pitcher can win or lose it for you. Oh, a hundred percent. He Listen, did I, already I, secure. I was... Sorry, John. Go ahead. I'm sorry, no, Sam. I, I was going to say I was um, I was coaching my my uh, my ten year old son's uh, little league team this year, and the hardest thing was throwing batting practice to the kids because you just you you have to get it over the plate. And I know that's not the same as as this, but I'm I'm reminded of the panic that comes from being a grown up throwing to little children and not being able to put the <laughs> ball across the plate to the point where little children could hit it for you. <laughs> It is definitely a mental thing. I know even just soft toss is hard when you're trying to get into that repetitive kind of motion. So it does take a little bit when you're not used to it, getting warmed up, especially on a stage like this. But within those five home runs that Otani did hit before he took his break, he already did secure the bonus round. So he will get an extra minute, I believe, maybe just 30 seconds as of now. But he is, he just added three within like 20 seconds. So he does have some time to add on. But I don't know if he's going to quite hit that 22 mark that Soto got. He better hurry. At least he's putting on a show now. Yeah, I know. The, it makes me happy that at least when he did go to that break, he's kind of laughing at himself. Because I was for a little bit taking on secondhand embarrassment for him just because he did have so much pressure going into it. But at least he's having fun. I tell you what, but to me, when I took batting practice, uh, you know, sometimes you like in the minor leagues, especially you'd have, uh, like some of the coaches were former players who just got done playing, you know, and you know, they still want to show you that, you know, Hey, I still got something. I used to hate hitting off those guys. Like Larry Bow was just nice and easy, you know, just, you know, you, you did the timing and you did all the work and, uh, and, uh, you know, that to me was, was 
the easiest BP to take is when a guy throwing it nice and easy, and and you can time it the way you want. You can swing the way you want, and you're not feeling like you have to rush to catch up to something in batting practice, which sucks. Uh, but yeah, th- <clears throat> like I said, that's why Pete Alonso with Dave Jowls pitching to him. I mean, that was nice mm. and easy, and it was consistent. Oh my God, that was a beautiful round of BP. Yeah, definitely was the most effortless so far that we've seen. But Otani did just finish out his second half, and now he is at 16 home runs. So he has a chance with this minute bonus round to come back and add on those, what would it be, six more to tie Soto. He needs seven to advance from this round. Do you guys think he can get it? Yes. It's going to be Yeah, exciting. I think he's going to do it. Yeah, they just showed Ken Griffey Jr., so if that doesn't inspire him, nothing will. Oh. This is just such dialed an Otani. It's such an Otani storyline if he comes back after that slow start and then wins it all when everybody was paying. Oh, there's two right there. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh, di- he's, he's getting dialed back in. Yeah, he's getting some sinkers, though. He yeah. needs to avoid that sinker. Oh, there's God. another. I'm feeling the pressure, guys. It's not even me up there. No, he's good. Yeah, he's, he's still got, got 30 seconds know. to hit three more. He needs three and 30 seconds. Now the pressure. He's telling the guy to hurry up. Well, that's a problem. The, the pitcher's hurrying up, but it looks like he's throwing harder and jamming him. Yeah, he is. He's definitely not giving him consistent pitches there. Oh, man, this pitcher's going to ruin it for him. Mm, one more. Two more, I think. Oh, I think he tied he him. He must be ahead he of him. He tied him. He tied him. Yeah, uh, I think he did. tied him. So what happens in a tie? They get three swings, I think. I think they get three swings. Oh man, can he switch out his yeah, I don't know BP pitcher? Is that a thing? Uh, well, someone did one year. They they can the guy they brought, but I don't remember who it was. Yeah. It was in recent years. Yeah, Otani is wiped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Otani is wiped out. He is bent over at the waist. Like, his arms are down. Like, he, he is absolutely wiped out from this. It's a, uh, a one-minute bonus. Another one-minute round for a tiebreaker, I believe. Oh, it is? One-minute round? Reading, if what I'm reading is correct. Oh. Yeah, that's what they're doing here. That's what they're setting up. i tell you what, right. if, I'm, if I'm Kevin Cash, I might rescind my decision to start even let him pitch later in the game so he can get some rest. Seriously. Yeah, it is. It is something you'll definitely think about. I don't know if MLB necessarily would like that because of the name, the star power starting that lineup, the story it'll bring, but it would definitely make sense. Speaking of Otani, while we All right, wait so for let's this put cards breaker, on the table. Who wins this? So oh, I like that. <gasps> Wait, let me you know write why? this down. Because we just saw the thing. They get one minute with no stoppage. And, you know, uh, Soto had a long time to rest. Well, not a long time, but a lot more time than what Otani's going to get. And you can see Otani right now. He's mm-hmm. he's gassed, man. You're right. That is a great point. What about you, Stonis? Who are you taking? Uh, give me, give me Soto. I do not like Otani. I mean, listen, it's also Denver too, right? A thinner air up there. Um, 
if Otani is this wiped out, he's not gonna he's not gonna recharge his batteries trying to catch his breath in Denver. So I'll take Juan Soto. And Brady for you. I picked Otani to begin with. I feel like I'd, I'd it'd be cowardly to back out of it now. So I'm gonna say he does look wiped out, but at the same time he's he's got a little bit of rhythm. He really found it there in the last about a minute and a half. Uh and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with him still having the hot bat after that. Yeah, I'm also going with Otani. I think he's gonna get that swing down. His BP guy's gonna get some time to really rest as well. And Soto's not starting out. I got to see that a little bit. So I guess I'm cheating a little bit, but I'm going with Otani. Yeah, I I I, I wouldn't want to be either guy to be honest with you because I know what that air up there can do to you it could screw you up for a few days but uh uh you know soto just looks like he hit five in a minute so six so go oh, good hell they might have to hit another round oh geez what would that be <laughs> you know they should, they should if, if no one if they're if there's no winner at the end of this round, they should just settle it with a home run derby. <laughs> <laughs> See how many pitches it takes someone to hit a home run? And then you got to top it, like, name that tune. I can hit this home run. Yes, <laughs> I like that. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Getting creative here. Otani's still I looking think, like he's trying to catch his breath up there. Yeah, I think... uh Okay. Yeah, I I know there's some guys when when I was doing this with ESPN, we're down on the field, and there were some guys that you, you, they walked off and looked like, man, I hope this guy wins because I can't swing anymore. <laughs> He's walking up. I'm a little nervous, How much guys. Do you I'm not believe lie. in in the home run derby messing with a player's swing? No, I don't think so. I I know. Uh, you know, the year Bobby Abreu won it in Detroit, which was surprising. I mean, Bobby put on a show. Uh, and I think he only hit one home run the second half of the year for the Phillies. So, uh, I was talking yeah. to Ruben tomorrow about that. And he said, he said he still hit good. He just didn't hit for power. And I, and I said, you think that'd be the opposite? He would, he would think, wow, I must be a home run hitter. So I'm going to try to hit more homers, but I don't think it does. I mean, you, you know, I, uh, you know, you watch these guys swing, like, you, you don't really see any big overswings, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that, uh, is gonna change their mechanics of their Ooh. swing, any. But Shohei is starting to get oh, oh, so hot. He, he did it. He did a little hand he motion to his, he did a little hand motion to the guy and said, get the ball up. And ever since he's been pitching higher in the zone, Otani's hit every single one out so far. This swing is unreal. It is. He oh, needs it's, it's, one it's more to win it. Five seconds and he's got left. ten seconds. Oh it's going to be God. tied again. Oh. Oh my God! Did he get it? 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 It's that tied going? again. Oh, it is still tied. Jeez. No, he tied him again. Wow. Okay, so this oh one, it might change. See, I think my people were cons- for the fact. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it might change my thought on it for the fact that Otani, if he's going to have to do that again, it's going to start catching up to him that he's getting not a big break in between. 
All right, here's another caveat. Here's another caveat to the rules. How about you get like Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and you have them waiting. And if you go to a tie after the first tiebreaker thing, like these guys are going, they can pick one of them to hit for them. (laughs) I like it. I'd pay a lot of money to see Barry Bonds in a home run derby in 2021. I bet you he could he could still be good for at least a dozen of them. I have not, I wouldn't surprise me if Junior could either. Yeah, he's a big. Junior right looks now. good out there. He looks like he could be playing. Yeah, so I do I, have my I do have I my think, sound muted. Are they doing another minute round for each of them? Does it keep going? Three swings. My son said three swings. Okay. They get three swings, and then uh, we'll see how that goes. Otani better tell his BP guy to keep it up in the zone from the start then. Yeah. And I think this is where, because it's three swings and not timed, these guys have to be more selective. Oh, yeah. If the pitch is down, just take it and try to wait for something to get elevated for you. I think that benefits Otani because – uh, he's been doing better when he gets the right pitch. All right, well, he's well, one Soto's for one. one for one there. Yeah, <laughs> but you see, you bet you saw the first pitch he took, and he was swinging at that pitch because of the time. Now it's more selective. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a nice little slide down one. and away. Oh, oh man, that went far. Mm-hmm. Almost hit the Smashburger sign in the second deck. My <laughs> goodness, two for two. Hey, he must be getting tired. Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I'm yeah, on a delay on, from you guys, the so. Sign instead of just... <laughs> I'll try not to ruin it for you. No, I enjoy it because, you know, all this anticipation Whoa! is building up for me. All right, Sam, wait 10 seconds. You'll see what happens here. Uh, the BP <laughs> pitchers <laughs> throwing behind, behind Juan oh! Soto. Well, that yeah, there it is. That's some strat. Hey, that's some strategy right there to kill some time to give his guy a rest. Yeah, right. Oh, did he get a third one? Did he get the third one? Oh, he went three for three. Three for three. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Otani's got to live up to it. It's all on him now. Wow. You know that upset this would be. You know that Soto's hitting coach. Kevin Long throwing to him, oh, so he has okay. he has a, he has a double advantage. He gets to hit off a guy he hits off of a lot, and he also gets tutored in between rounds. That's a good strategy there. <laughs> Jeez, that's going to be hard to beat for Otani. One bad swing and this one's over. What you know, I that, that is started. that's clutch. Brady, go ahead. I said before this started that I was upset that Soto and Otani were matched up in the first round instead of on opposite sides of the bracket. This really does kind of feel like a final, even though I think whoever wins this is probably going to do pretty bad in the next round because they're going to be so tired. But <laughs> No, that's a great point, and you did say that. So good job on you, Brady. I'm good for one smart thing every few hours. <laughs> <laughs> so we, 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 got, we have to well, reach right? Yeah, we will, John. <laughs> After this, all it takes is one swing. There it is. Oh, there it is. Away. Oh, and Soto wins it. Wow. 
Jeez. Yeah, but you know what? If Otani, there, it's not going to get any better than that. Yeah, if Otani pitches an inning or two and he five strikeouts, six hitters, hits a home run when he's hitting, he'll take that MVP trophy and, and walk out of there. Pretty happy, I would imagine. Well, and that's one thing that you guys already mentioned, too, when um, Stolnes asked you, Crookie, if it will mess up swings permanently. You have to be mindful of the fact that, especially when you're getting this tired, you don't want to develop the bad habits. And you saw Otani still sticking to those hard line drives. So you can't be mad at something that's most likely going to be a hit when he's getting good shots. It just sucks for him and the home run derby title. <laughs> yeah, but that's what, you know, these guys, they, they when you watch these guys and you watch them over their careers and, and so far this season, there's not one guy that's changed their swing to try to hit, to try to elevate the ball more. It's just, they're, it's their natural swing. Uh, you know, when you watch Soto and them, and a lot of guys were doing it, hitting balls to center and then the other way for home runs, you know, that tells you that they're, that's their normal swing. That's their, uh, you know, they're not trying to, to make sure a conscious effort to try to pull everything for, for home runs, they're still hitting the ball off fields, and Soto especially hit a couple line drives to left that went out by a long way. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a Rockies pitcher right now and you're watching this, like on TV, wouldn't you say, "Uh, uh this it can't be fun. <laughs> we got to face these guys again yeah. sometime soon." You got to be kidding me. Okay, so we're moving on to the next round. What do you guys? Do you guys want to? I'm not letting you choose against on us because you already sabotaged me. So you can keep Alonzo, <laughs> which is probably going to work out in your favor. Yeah, I'm, I'm Crookie, okay with that. Crucky, are you changing yours? Oh, I guess you have to. But well, I have go. to. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, unless they're taking BP somewhere else that we don't know about. But, uh, uh, you know, I I don't know who to go with. Who do you think I should go with? Um, you can, I don't know. You did just say Soto over Atani. Do you want to keep yeah. riding that wave? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with my heart, with that, uh, my heart. And that's Trey Mancini. I like it. What about you, Brady? Who are you changing yours to? Pete Alonso. I, re- I really <laughs> want to go with Trey Mancini, but I have to go with Pete Alonso. That, that first round was just so convincing. He just, he just looked like he has this thing figured out. So you guys are corrupting me again because I was going to go back to Alonzo, who I originally had in my head. But now I'm like, if there's three of us choosing Alonzo, he's not going to win. That's great. Then Mancini That's wins. Right. And, and we'd all be happy with that. So You're right. That is a good other thing. But I refuse to have three of us all have the same thing. So I'm going Soto because nobody else said it. So who, who's the who's the one I can't remember who's the one we're, we're, we've left out? We got Story. Soto, uh, Trevor Story. Oh boy, yep. we're we're not taking a hometown. Oh gosh, <laughs> we might all be regretting this one. <laughs> yeah, so there's still a possibility that it's somebody that we don't choose, but we'll uh, see how it plays out for us. Yeah. Okay, so we did see that would- one pitch from the BP pitcher fly off of the hands. Do you think that the BP pitchers are allowed to use any sticky stuff for the home run derby? 
even though it's not allowed in official MLB? I would if I was them because them balls are slick. Those, first of all, they're a little bit smaller than a regular baseball because they they pack them so hard to get them so tight that they travel farther. Uh, so they are more slippery. And then the ones that, uh, you know, they get the extra time. I think it's a lavender ball. I think this year it's, it's, it's a lavender colored ball. Those things are like trying to hold an icicle and throw it. So yeah, no, I, I would just, think I don't that, understand uh, why they, I'm sorry, John, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I was just saying, no, I, I don't ahead, see John. why they can't get the ball right. Yeah, I was just saying, I, I don't see why they can't get the ball right. I mean, it, it's, this is not a one year issue where they've had trouble with, they've had trouble with this, with the baseball being too slick or the laces too high or whatever. I mean, th- you should be, you should be able to make a baseball, which is the most important piece of equipment you're going to use in this game. And you should be able to make a baseball that a pitcher can grip well enough without having to put a bunch of stuff on it. it it's, it's beyond me. That Major League Baseball and and whoever else is gonna is gonna put these baseballs together. They can't find some way to make it uniform and to make it so that you can actually grip the thing. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like they go from one extreme to the other. Like one year they said that the hitters were complaining that the laces were too big and the pitchers could spin the ball more. Uh, and then, you know, the next year I talked to pitchers and they said, well, there's no laces. You can't hardly grip your breaking ball because, you know, the laces are so tight to the, to the ball now. Uh, you know, then one year they said that it was, the ball was softer. You could feel it while you're rubbing them up that you could feel like the, the leather moving a little bit. Uh, and then the next year it was so hard. You could, it didn't do no good to rub it because you couldn't get anything on it. And then they said that they quit using the, mud from the Delaware River uh to put on the balls. They like they, they were told not to not to use as much so the balls weren't dark and darker and tacky. I I I I don't know what they want. You know, they want to see this great pitching, but they want to see more runs scored because they think it's more exciting to fans. Uh you know I I got I, I had an issue a few years back when one through nine in the American League and one through eight in the National League, they were all a threat, a home run threat mm-hmm. because of how juiced up the ball was. That That's not right to me. I mean, you know, you're you're basically telling your pitchers you have to be perfect because if you make a mistake, everyone in the lineup is going to take you deep. And that, that's just not right to me. Crookie, how do you feel about the whole sticky stuff situation? Do you feel then that pitchers – should be allowed to use it, or do you feel that it kind of defeats the purpose of them being talented enough, kind of in a way, I guess, and for turn or not being able to phrase it better, but not being talented enough to be an MLB pitcher? Well, if they're going to be at that level, shouldn't they be able to pitch without it? Yeah, someone said that it was going to affect Garrett Cole, but he looked pretty good his last start against Houston. What one nothing shutout, one hundred and twenty something pitches or something like that. Uh, but look, here's, here's my thing. If the pitchers, cause like, like, you know, I, the, I, I don't do every game. I only do like 85 games, but like there's at least one pitcher on every team that is so stupidly blatant with 
before they and, and you know before they started with this new rule of we're going to check you after the inning. Like there are some guys they they would like go to their glove, the thumb of their glove, and then they're like you you'd watch them. They're trying to pry their fingers apart. And then they touch their hat and their fingers are sticking to their hat. Like, <laughs> like you, you'd have to be a moron not to pick that out. And, you know, but the problem is none of the managers can say anything because they know they probably had three or four or five, six guys on their pitching staff mm-hmm. that were doing it. So you can't say anything. But then when they started, some of them, you know, we know who. You know, started bragging about the stuff that they're using, how how they're sticky and they get a better grip and this and that. You know, you, you just brought attention to it. Well, what's Major League Baseball supposed to do? Ignore it? And they're like, okay, you know, the pitcher or the hitters were complaining about it from the start. And, you know, what's Rob Manford and them supposed to do? Just ignore it and say, okay, we're, we're going to turn the other way and let you guys just, you know, keep you. If they wouldn't have said anything, if nothing was brought up, they no one would have said anything. It would have, they'd still be doing it, but because they thought, well, we can do whatever we want because we won't get in trouble. We're above the law. Then all of a sudden, the law came down and said, "You know what? It, you're not, and we're going to check you every time you come off the mound." And which is, you know, now it's like kind of stupid to do that too. But uh, you know, if, if these guys would have just kept their mouth shut and not brought up, yeah, I use this tacky whatever that stuff is spider or whatever it's spider tack or whatever you know you know you just admitted to everyone that you cheat uh, you know if they would have just kept their mouth shut it all been fine and dandy and we'd have moved on and they probably would have tried to do something in the off season to let the pitchers know hey we're gonna watch you if we see anything suspicious on tape or whatever we're gonna suspend you or whatever but you know, now it's like you had to you had to do it in the middle of the year because you had some guys bragging about it. Yeah, and like you said, mm. now they basically admitted that they were cheating, and then obviously the Astros just caught got caught for cheating. Do you think in both of those situations? Because obviously you said with the sticky stuff, everybody was doing it. Astros stealing signs as much as people want to deny that everybody's doing it. Every team tries to do it. Do you kind of agree with, I don't want to say you agree with cheating, but do you kind of wish it was like, don't ask, don't tell on that part for it? Or do you agree with cracking down on all those cheating scandals? Well, you knew once they started putting technology in dugouts, that there's a lot of smart people who are going to figure out how to use that to their advantage. Now, the Red Sox, I guess, were using the uh, Apple Watch or something and getting things relayed to them, what I heard. And, of course, we know with the Astros with the beating of the mm-hmm. garbage can and all that stuff. But it all goes back to technology. When you start putting technology in, in you're asking teams to cheat. And, you know, I hear this, you know, we, I hear this all the time from people. Well, every team does it. Well, but not every team gets caught. You all exactly, got caught yeah. because you were so blatant about it. It was so easy to find out. Just by watching games and listening, that it was so easy to find out that yes, you were cheating and yes, you won a world championship because of it. Now, granted, you know, look, it's hard enough to hit when you know what's coming or when you don't know what's coming. But when you know what's coming, it gives you a lot more of an advantage uh, as a hitter. Uh, 
and, and, and you know, I think they took advantage. Now, look, they're, they're those guys are good hitters. Correa, Altuve, Springer, you know, all those guys with the Astros back then, Bregman, you know, those guys are really good hitters anyway. Why they thought they needed to, to, to do that is beyond me, but they did. They got caught, but none of them got penalized. So now if you have a pitcher who's using sticky stuff in one game, He's going to get suspended for how long without pay? That, that to me, like, you, you have to be consistent with your penalties. Yeah. The Astros players should have, some of them should have been, and I'm not saying suspend them all on opening day, but pick, you know, let Major League Baseball pick three guys. And then when those guys come off the suspended, you pick three other guys and so on and so forth. So they're playing shorthanded basically for the first quarter of the season yeah I agree with that and especially when it came out that there were certain guys with certain degrees of the cheating levels if you want to say with that I mean obviously Altuve was suspected of wearing wires and stuff so I feel like you are right in that but they need to be fair across the board in the fact of punishments what about you um Stolness and Brady what do you guys think are you guys more let them play, don't ask, don't tell, or do you want MLB to start cracking down on these quote-unquote cheating scandals? I, I, I'm a, I'm a cracking down guy. Uh, I, I think, I think it, baseball could have handled this a whole lot better. I think John's points are right on the money. I, I think they had to go in the middle of the season, like he said, for the reasons that he mentioned, but it obviously would have been better for everyone had they been able to wait it until the end of the season and, make a decree starting starting next year that we were going to really clamp down because pit, there have been it's you know been since baseball's been around that you haven't been allowed to doctor the ball i mean you haven't you just had some pitchers were sly about it i mean you had some some guys who used to throw the spitball and it was kind of a wink and a nod and you know you knew who threw it but it was never really enforced but then guys stopped throwing the spitball for for some reason as as the years went on so um you know i remember back in the 80s you had like you had guys using sandpaper to kind of rub they had i remember i think it was kevin gross of the phillies had had a piece of sandpaper taped to the inside of his glove that he was using to kind of scuff up the ball a little bit so that he could better get a better grip on it and he got caught and got suspended for for 10 games or something like that i mean that was that's this kind of stuff has gone on forever, and so I I think that stuff is is a competitive advantage for the for the pitchers, and if it's against the rules, enforce it. Um, you know, so I'm I know I do not like the idea of you know as long as no one knows about it, it's okay. If 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 there's if there is some aspect of the game where the offense is getting an advantage they shouldn't have, or the pitching is getting an advantage they shouldn't have, Major League Baseball has to protect the integrity of the game the best that they can and not go about manipulating the integrity of the game themselves, uh, such as, you know, fooling around with the ball and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think, I think they do have to crack down on cheating. They have to crack down on anything that is, is that players are doing that makes it unfair for other players. Yeah. Brady, what about for you? So I have two kind of major issues here. And the first is I, I just dislike the consistency from Major League Baseball here as to what they do allow, what they don't allow. You know, Kirk hit the nail on the head that they had to do something once players started openly talking about it. But at the same time, like Kirk said, everybody knew this. Everybody with a pair of eyes who watches baseball knows that there are plenty of pitchers, pitchers on every single team 
that have been using foreign substances, and it's been going on for a long time. So it, it's just weird to me that Major League Baseball was okay with it kind of being out in the open as long as nobody talked about it. But as soon as people start talking about it, now all of a sudden it's threatening the integrity of the game, and you have to change these rules so that it'll stop. They'll stop doing it. Like we haven't all been sitting here for the last two decades watching every pitcher thumb with the bill of their cap every other pitch so that they can get better grip. And, and that's just kind of it's stupid and insulting a little bit. And, and my other issue is, base Major League Baseball has been. In, blatant in their pursuit of making baseball a more offensive friendly game in the last few years. The the ball is always changing and it's almost always changing to benefit the hitters. We have things like this silly extra inning rule where you have a base runner starting on second base even though they did nothing to deserve getting there. You have the universal designated hitter coming. Uh pitch clock, so on and so forth. Uh the the, the reliever rule where you you have to stay in for three batters. All these rules are directly made to benefit the hitters. And so at some point, you got to at least give something to the pitchers so that they can stay competitive or, or they're going to find their own ways to try to get there. Yeah, and one thing Major League Baseball has been doing as well, besides trying to make it more of an offensive-minded game, is they're trying to speed it up. And I guess that's kind of um, – we talked about this in an earlier episode, Brady and Stolness. But they're kind of trying to speed it up, and it's more for, I guess, to attract a younger audience. But I just want to get all of your guys' opinions about some of the rules to speed it up with, like, the extra innings base runner on second, um, relief pitchers coming in and having to face a minimum of three batters. In your opinions, what kind of um, overall reaction did you guys have to rules such as that? Crocky, you can start. Well, you know, again, I, I – you know, as an announcer now, I, I don't think I would enjoy a 20 inning game. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I get why they wanted to do this with the runner on second, you know, to start the extra innings. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they, they've tried for years to come up with ways to speed up the game. And I guess they thought that was a good one. Uh, not sure how much it sped, sped, sped up the game because, you know, here's the thing. Here, here's what I always thought. Like, a tie game going into extra innings, whether you put a guy in second or not, is still pretty exciting. So, like, if people are complaining, oh, my God, extra innings, we got to sit through extra. Well, isn't that exciting knowing that you're probably going to have a walk-off or a good chance of a walk-off win if you're the home team? I, I think that would be more exciting than, you know, whether it's the – 10th inning or 12th inning or 15th inning that, you know, God, this is exciting. You know, we had our chances, the emotions, the ebb and flow of, of emotions for fans would probably be through the roof, uh, thinking that you had a chance to win and then whatever. But, uh, you know, you're, you're making it tough on the pitcher, but it's not an earned run for them. So that doesn't matter. Like, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I, some of these things that they, they come up with, I, I just, you know, if you want to speed up the game, uh, teach kids in high school, college, and through the minor leagues how to put the ball and play more. You know, X amount of number of strikeouts is not very exciting. And you want to bring kids back to a game, like young people to watch baseball? We did a game earlier this year, nine consecutive hitters, three, three 
in the, I forget what inning. The fir- top of the inning, three hitters struck out. Bottom of the inning, three hitters struck out. Top of the inning, three hitters struck out. Now that's without putting the ball in play. They, it's not like there was a walk and a couple hits. That was nine consecutive strikeouts. Jeez. You, you tell me, you tell me if you're a kid watching that, like, yeah, dad, can we come back and watch this crap again? Yeah, come, come on, man. You know, th- 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 and I, and hopefully, hopefully situational hitting comes back because to me, that's exciting. Like the Phillies started winning games, but they're putting guys in motion now and other teams you watch they're you know, the Padres, when they play, they're putting guys in motion. They're opening up holes for their def- for their offense and, and they're scoring runs because of it. And you just wish every team would be like that. We've gotten so caught up in, like I said, we have nine guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark and if they strike out, so be it. Uh, but you know, that one swing, they might hit one out. Well, you know, you know, I always look at it this way. If you have 600 at bats in a season and let's say you have a great year and you hit 40 homers, what are you doing your other 560 at bats? No, that, that was, that, that was always the point I tried to make, you know, tried to get an answer to from these, uh, you know, these, these, these sabermetrician people and these, uh, you know, these GM, these GMs that can't come in that, you know, from Ivy League school or wherever. Yeah, not saying they don't do good jobs, but, you know, they look at like, you know, how many home runs can a guy hit? But they don't look at what he does his other 500 and something at bats. And if he strikes out 180 times and he walks 100 times, they think, well, he had a good year. A strikeout is not just another out. It's an out where you did absolutely nothing to move a runner or to give a chance of scoring a run with the ground out. A strikeout does you no good. And, and, and when we, when I think when baseball can get away from believing that strikeouts are just are okay and it's no big deal, I think you're going to see, hopefully it starts at a younger age, but I think you're going to see more kids say, wow, this is exciting. They're putting balls in play. The defense is playing great. Or, uh, you know, we can take advantage of their poor defense, whatever. But you can't take advantage of a defense if you're striking out 15 times a damn game. No, and that's a great point because exactly like you said, it is such a thought process in the fact that they're trying to push the home run game thinking that that's going to be the excitement of it all. But you're right. If it's only one batter out of nine, every other few three or four innings making any excitement out of it, it is going to draw people away. Um, Stalnis and Brady, what do you guys think about some of these rules that are coming in trying to speed up the pace of the game? I mean, I'm all for the game being sped up. Uh, I think I think that's fine. I, I think it's on the umpires to actually enforce some of these rules that Major League Baseball wants to put in place. I mean, if you want to put a clock on on pitchers, I don't love the look of that. I love that baseball is the only game without a clock. But that's the whole thing about baseball being the only game without a clock. It just means you know that you, the game can go on as long as it needs to go on until somebody outscores somebody else. You get those 27 outs. Uh, so I don't necessarily hate the idea of a pitch clock if that's actually going to work, but I just don't know that any of this stuff is actually going to work. You just, I, I don't know that there's a way to speed up the game at this point. I think what Major League Baseball can do is try to encourage action, which is, I think, what, what John was talking about here. You know, get, and it really has to start at, at the minor league level. And unfortunately, kids, kids as they're, you know, playing in high school and they're going to all these tournaments and all this kind of stuff, 
you don't, you don't learn the fundamentals because that's not how you get seen. That's not how you get scholarships. That's not how you get, uh, that's not how you get drafted. You know, you don't, if you're the guy who is always moving the runner over from first to third, you don't, you know, you, you're the guy who always manages to hit the ball to the right side of the infield to get the runner from, you know, from second to third. Or, you know, when you do the fundamentals right, unfortunately, you don't really get rewarded for that as a high school player at this point. You get rewarded for hitting the ball out of the ballpark and, and putting up an 800 slugging percentage. And so that's, I think that's the, that's the problem baseball has right now is that you don't really incentivize kids to, to learn how to play the game the right way from a young age. And then so you get them in the minor league system and it's up to the, it's up to the team's developmental staff to, to teach people how to play baseball which is something they should have learned in middle school and high school and in all the tournaments that they're doing. So uh, until we, and, until hitters are, are willing to put the ball in play with two strikes to shorten their swing and make contact with two strikes instead of being willing to strike out while taking a 100% uppercut swing to try and hit the ball out of the yard, you're going to see a ton of strikeouts. And, and I do think it's, I do think it's okay for major league baseball to try and do some things to, to help the hitters out. Like if, if pitchers are using substances to get extra rotation on the ball to the point where they're overmatching hitters, then yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta try and even the playing field there. But you know, I, I think baseball's issues with pace of play and with lack of action has more to do with players just don't know how to do that stuff when, when they're coming up. And that's, that's a lot for, that's a lot for a minor league system to try and have to teach kids how to play and also develop their skills at the same time. Well, can, can I add something real quick uh, to what John was saying? Uh, and I can, I witnessed this in a travel softball. I asked my daughter once, I said, why did you step out and take your gloves off and tie your spikes? And he said, well, he gave me the sign because we have a time limit and we were leading. I said, are you, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Hey, like they played a game once and this thing where like this this uh eighth and ninth hitter never got in it back. Like who in the hell who in the hell wants to watch that? I'd rather I'd rather have the kids lose and play, you know, five innings in an hour and a half or whatever than to play two innings and you know, some of the kids don't get a chance to hit. It's a joke. Yeah, it defeats the it's entire that- purpose. Yeah, well, it, but no, it, 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 that to me is when it becomes more important to the coach who might be a parent. The win is more important to him than the development of the kids. So kids are used to now taking their time. No, oh, we have a lead. Let's slow things up. I, I, I you know, I, I, it, it, it was nauseating watching that. And thank God that was her last one. Brady, what about for you on your thoughts? with the new rules that to speed up the game in MLB? Well, first off, I think there's just a gigantic irony here that that MLB is changing the way the game is played to try to speed things up. And you're you're gaining, you know, a few seconds here and a few seconds there with with some of these new rules and some of these changes. And then at the end of every inning, you're stripping down the pitcher to his chonies so you can check him for sticky stuff. And four times a game, you're having an instant replay that lasts four or five minutes when everyone can see after 15 seconds what the outcome was. <laughs> it's just so weird to me that that they have so heavily prioritized 
cutting down the time of games while also implementing these things that are just making it longer. And I do get the desire to, to speed up the game, but I also think that MLB is going about everything wrong here. Because let's be honest, if, if you're trying to attract a, a younger demographic, maybe siphon some football and, and basketball viewers into baseball, no one's going to get excited about watching baseball because, oh, this game's only going to take two hours and 53 minutes and two hour, instead of two hours and 58 minutes. That's not what's going to get anyone excited. No, no one thinks like that. You have to make the game more exciting. Um, and, and both of the Johns here, I think, had some, some great points on that and, and, and on how you do make the game more exciting. And, and one thing I'll add is I do think there's a little bit of a natural Oh, we're losing you a little bit, Brady. Can you hear me now? Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. My cat's trying to eat my headphones. Uh, um, I think there's a little bit of a natural evolution to baseball. I think it, it tends to reach an equilibrium over time. And so I do agree that there there are some issues here with, with hitters chasing home runs and just getting strikeouts over and over again. Uh, and I also think that 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 will start to even itself out a little bit over time. I think we're seeing that already with the shift. So many defenses have been applying the shift and they're getting advantages over the hitters. And hitters are starting to realize, hey, if, if I want to have success, I got to start being able to have the bat-to-ball skills to, to put the ball the other way or to put the ball on the ground down the line. Uh, and, and we're starting to see it naturalized there. And I think that sometime in the next five to ten years, we're going to start seeing that with the home run and strikeout craze, where we're going to see hitters realizing that they're going to have to make a few changes because this isn't a reliable outcome when it results in so many strikeouts, and they're going to have to start putting the ball in play a little bit more and start to have to make some adjustments. We're seeing it already with, with the way that batters are working counts a little bit more than they were even just a few years ago. Walks are kind of the big sabermetric thing right now. Every, everyone wants walks, and it's I think that's going to have a little bit of a domino effect, force pitchers to throw more hittable pitches, force hitters to put more balls in play. You know, and that, 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 that is the one thing about, uh, like OPS, uh, you know, uh, that got me is, is there's so many of these, cause I talked to some of these sabermetrician guys that work for, that worked at ESPN, that worked, uh, you know, for the Phillies and other teams. And, uh, you know, they, they talk about walks and walk and walk, you know, you know, oh, this guy walks a lot. This guy walks a lot. And I said, well, that, that's, that's great. But, uh, you know, they minimize batting average, which I get, uh, to a certain extent, but isn't batting average a part of on base percentage? And that's my point I've tried to make to them. Like you, you know, in a perfect world, if you're playing, if you walk, only one run can score. But if you hit a single, multiple runs can score. And so that, that, that's, I think we got so, and I've talked to players about this and that's their thing. Oh, I, I want to walk. I want to walk 150 times. Well, why? You know, if, if you're a leadoff hitter or second hitter, yeah, that's great. But if you're a third hitter and you're taking pitches you can hit just to try to work a walk, you should be hitting eighth or ninth or first instead of in the middle of the lineup. Like I walked a lot, but I never once thought about walking or tried to walk. 
Well, I think it goes along with what all of you guys were saying, how it is such a big common thing to see strikeouts now in today's game. I think that kind of goes along with what you just said is players are kind of thinking, well, I'd rather walk than strike out because that's probably a big possibility too. So it's kind of like they're in their mind saying the walk's better than the strikeout, but exactly what you said. Why not? Go ahead. Let let me run this one by y'all. And I am praying that this isn't true. But I was told that there's a couple teams, Major League Baseball, that have told their minor leaguers that if you have two strikes and you don't get a pitch you could drive, not like hit a single mm-hmm. the other way, you know. If you if there's not a pitch you can't drive for at least a double, then just take it and strike out and and go go after your next at bat. I like, oh yeah. my god, are you kidding me? Did you hear that too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I I Gabe Cap didn't Gabe Kapler, I believe. It, Brady, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Gabe Kapler say something along those lines at the beginning of the season, like he would rather have his pitchers strike out on a on a third on a called third strike than than swing at a pitch that they they wouldn't be able to to, to slug someplace which is just completely anathema to me i i have always yeah. been a believer you put the ball and play with two strikes and and something good can happen i mean when you have to make a defender make a play you gotta they have to execute i, I that has never made any sense to me yeah, yeah when, they, when you when you start rewarding strikeouts is not or saying the strikeouts are no big deal you're going to see a team that probably is not going to score a ton of runs, and and they're going to be easier to pitch to, especially really good pitchers. Can embarrass a team like that. Yeah, I just can't even wrap my mind around that and the fact that, like you guys have all been saying, a strikeout doesn't help your team win and it doesn't help personal stats. So there's quite literally no benefit to it in reality. So I don't understand how anybody can try to warp it into something positive. But um, we kind of strayed away from it. We do have one finalist ready for this home run derby final, and that's Trey Mancini. He defeated Trevor Story, that hometown kid that we kind of feared. So at least one of us is going to win here, guys. One of the guys that we chose is going <laughs> to win. Sam, we've got uh, Jeremy Brenner from Bucks Dugout. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear his thoughts on how this whole thing has uh, shaken out. And I, and I just want to say, with Alonzo coming up, he was my pick the entire time. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to say it. Oh yeah, now uh, you say it, Mike. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I like the cut of his sure. jib. Yeah. <laughs> the cut of his jib. That's a, that's some old school stuff. That's like Andy Griffith stuff. <laughs> Mike reads. Well, guys, let's. Well, guys, let's welcome in Jeremy Branner from Bucks Dugout. Um, Jeremy, welcome in. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Kiss. Thanks, everyone, for letting me on. And uh, How are y'all tonight? We're doing well. We're enjoying this game. Before it gets any further and you have time to cheat, Jeremy, who's your pick to win tonight? I think that um, we're going to see, like, a com- like never-before-seen comeback here from Otani. I think they're going to they're gonna rig it for him still. They're going to be like, we're going to have a comeback round, and it's going to be Otani. Oh, you think they're going to do an out-of-nowhere no. comeback <laughs> I, I think, No, not uh, on, It's really hard to bet against Iwan, though. Let's be real. Like, he yeah. has, like, he's just, he's built for for a home run derby. Like, that's what he's meant to do. So, I'm going to go with Pete Alonzo right now. 
given what I've seen so far. Jeremy, before we get into the Pirates and evaluating more on their number one overall pick yesterday, what are your thoughts about what we were just speaking about with the MLB trying to place these rules to speed up the game? You know, I, the thing is, the, the, the reason why they're putting something in play is because they think that there's a problem. And if there is, a, the, the question is, is there really a problem? And to me, I really don't see the whole issue with it. I think most people who have been fans of the sport for at least 15, 20 years don't really have that much of an issue with the way the game was to begin with. But I mean, trying to make the game more marketable to kids, I mean, the way that Fernando Tatis, like, handles himself, it's, I don't want to say it's like Ken Griffey Jr., but, like, there's, like, similar shades of that. And I think at the end of the day, you are, the way that you get to fans is through the players, not through the game. Like, make, let the players do what they're, like, do what they're supposed to do, act as, if they're kids, because at the end of the day, like, that's what's the, that's what's the romance of baseball is that it's a game meant for kids that, you know, adults get to play. And I think that is where your firepower is with not just baseball, but with most sports. And you look at, you look at basketball, how they market their guys based off of like athletes that are in the game and, and football, they market it through the quarterbacks mostly. And I think that's what gets people into it is the the personalities the people the characters if you will i look at things very much like a story and the way thing and the way that a story is best told is through its characters and i think the way baseball will be like told is this like awesome story is through its players and what brings people in personally that's what gets me excited i like the whole storyline aspect of sports and I think that's what kind of gets me into that so for me that's how you get to kids that's how you market the game to kids you you make these guys look like they're superheroes which is why a night like this is perfect because you know what these guys do is absolutely insane like I know Mm -hmm. John Crook did it and like I can't like like what he did is like not normal like I don't think what John Crook and all of these you know home run hitters did is like normal like I never have really played that much baseball but like i've been around it enough to like recognize how really difficult it is Um, yeah to appreciate their talents yeah like these dudes like make them look like superheroes make them look like the kid you want to hang out with and i think that we're getting there in a way with vladimir guerrero with uh shohei otani with fernando tatis i think personally like having those guys there it it makes the game more fun like the way they hand the way they handle themselves, the way they, um, the way they're about the game, they, they want to play, they want to, and of course there's a business side to it and we all understand that, but I think that's how you make the game more marketable to kids. You, you like show them, put their athletes in like the best way possible. Like one of my favorite things growing up was playing backyard baseball on my PC. And I would play like all my guys, I'd play Pablo Sanchez pick number one, but I'd also like get Mike Piazza in there. And I would like have Piazza bat, uh, bat, uh, like cleanup and just well, having those guys and being like, they were kids. So like it, it, it humanized the, the baseball players, turned them into kids. Cause that at the end of the day, like that's most of what the big leagues are. It's just a 
uh, a kid's game. So well, and like you said, it is the best way to kind of market it and target that young audience with the video games, with social media. I think that is the best route. But as we were talking right there, Pete Alonzo, I should not have tried to root against him. He's proven me wrong now two times in a row. It is. So Pete Alonzo will go against Trey Mancini in the final round of the Home Run Derby coming up soon. But Jeremy, while we have you here, um, I spoke to you briefly yesterday, and it was kind of a quick initial reaction um, about Henry Davis, the number one overall pick to the Pirates. After looking more into it, what are some of the pros and what are some of the cons? Have you grown more to like the pick? Uh, I have decided that Henry Davis is the greatest player of all time. <laughs> as um, he should. So he was the surefire number one pick, as he should have been, and he's the greatest player of all time. So we made the right pick. That was <laughs> um, I love it. Is, looking more into it, like his, his interview yesterday with the Pirates, um, like his brief press conference right after he was chosen, he just seemed like a guy that was really excited, really happy to be there and really willing to lay it out all on the line for his team. And that's exactly what you want in a guy that you draft number one overall. And considering the Pirates have had very, like, Andrew McCutcheon is, like, I guess this current generation's, like, hero, right? Because he was the guy to bring Pittsburgh out of this 20-year drought that they were in. And I think that the Pirates need that, face of the franchise again and I'm not saying it's going to be Henry Davis but in fact it's probably more likely to be Brian Hayes just because he also Mm -hmm. I think is one of those guys like similar I think he's a couple of he's like a year or two behind but I I do kind of think he can be on that like Mookie Betts uh Fernando Tatis Vladdy uh Vladdy Jr. like area where they can be like you know they're the guys that make the game fun again and, and things like that so I think he's more likely to be that face of the franchise, but Henry Davis can be like a real fan favorite. And I think that that's something that the pirates really need. They need like a hero to not only just to, you know, sell tickets, but to kind of get the team out of this slump that they've been in. And it's funny to say that because I, I looked at the team, you know, with Brian Reynolds starting in the all-star game. I don't think a lot of people really know who Brian Reynolds is outside of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but he's had a fantastic season so far, uh, batting 300. And I don't want a little off topic, but, uh, you know, this is the first time in almost 30 years that the Pirates have had multiple starters in the, in the All-Star game. 1992 was the last time they had, uh, multiple All-Stars. Um, it was, I don't want to take a guess as to who it was. Barry Bonds twice. <laughs> Barry Bonds is one of them, but it wasn't a clone of Barry Bonds. No, so Barry Bonds is the one, but can can you name them up? I don't know who else it would be. Ninety two. You're talking about? This is definitely around his prime. Oh. Yeah, nineteen ninety two. Crucky's not coming in. I'm taking it. He doesn't know it. All right, all right. It's it's Andy Van Slyke. Oh, oh wait, yeah. I was mute. I was muted. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> He's so, like, I would have gotten it. So Crook, this is the. This is the first time in 29 years, or yeah, 29 years that the Pirates have had multiple All Stars start in the All Star game. Barry, yeah, he's one. Ding ding ding. I mean, my God, you could pick from because those Bonilla. early 90s Pirates teams were some of the best teams yeah. of the decade. Bob, I mean, Bobby Bonilla probably it wasn't Bobby Bonilla. Been one. Uh, Chico Lean, Jay Bell. I mean, 
My God. They were Andy Van Flake. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I could see that too. Didn't Andy win a batting title that year? Yeah, I think he won. I think it was, I think it was me, him and Sheffield. Gary Sheffield were like going down to the end of the season with a chance to win it. I think Andy ended up winning it. I love it. Jeremy, before we let you go, where can everybody find your work and your social medias? Yeah, find me, find, first of all, find Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. And you can also head to BucksDugout.com, home of all things Pittsburgh Pirates on SBNation.com. And personally, if you, if you really, really, really want it, you can find me at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremy. All right. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, everyone. Okay, guys, that was quite a final round for Trey Mancini. He had 22 home runs, and now we're waiting for Pete Alonzo. What were you guys thinking as you were watching it? i tell you what I noticed about him is that his handsy whipping uh, of his top hand was very reminiscent of watching Cal Ripken in 91, I believe, in Toronto at the All-Star Game Home Run Derby. Really used their hands well. Uh, and again, that, that could take away some of the fatigue by just whipping your hands through the zone so you're not trying to muscle it. Uh, but I mean, that, that swing looked a lot like Cal's with the, with how he uses his top hand. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You're right. I mean, cause he just, I, there was one of those home runs. He just kind of was maybe the first home run after he took his time out where there was a ball that was maybe down a little bit more than some of the ones he'd been swinging at. It looked like he just poked it, but it went clear into the batter's eye out center field. And it kind of gave you a sense like, okay, yeah, he's not exerting a ton of energy into each and every one of these swings. And, that's, that's as, as good as, as Pete Alonso has been and as effortless as he's made it look so far in these first two rounds. It's going to be tough to beat Trey Manzini's total. Yeah, I was just impressed with how, how comfortable he looked, how balanced his, his swing looked for this being his third round. I feel like normally by the time you get to the finals in a home run derby, players are winded enough, even when they're not at Coors Field, uh, that their swing starts to break down just a little bit. They start to lose a little bit of the balance, start to use their legs a little bit less, and, and and their mechanics just start to falter a little bit. But but Trey Mancini really, his swing looked exactly the same in that round as it looked in the first round. Sam, I brought in the uh, the gals from uh, Amazing Avenue just to kind of jam with us and react to uh, my boy Alonzo, who was about to take this. I'm so excited. I know. He looks so good. Like, once he, he makes him look effortless. Like, he just got into rhythm and kept just, he just, I think the experience really helps him. And plus, he has a way better uh, BP coach this year, or BP thrower this year, because his cousin in 2019 was, like, hitting him with curveballs. He was all over the zone. He nearly hit Pete. Um, so I think having Jows really, um, has given him an advantage this year. I mean, I said this on Twitter, but Pete is literally a person who is basically genetically engineered to win the home run derby. Like, he's just a large golden retriever of a man who loves to hit baseballs hard. And that's basically, like, his whole personality. <laughs> and it yeah, but he's in his natural bad. element right now, basically. Like, this is literally what he was made for, is to do this. Um, I'm so excited for him. And literally, uh, an Alonzo Mancini final was my dream because the Orioles are my American League team, um, having lived in Baltimore for six years. 
And so I'm just so excited for Trey Mancini. And honestly, obviously, I want Pete Alonso to win because he's my guy. But if he loses to Trey Mancini, that's about the second best outcome that I could have hoped for. So I'm happy, very happy right now. Well, and also Trey Mancini is just a good story in and of Amazing himself. Story. Like, if, yeah, if Mancini wins, I won't be that upset about it. Like, obviously, I'm rooting for Pete, but um, I'm also very happy that um, Mancini has made it as far as he has. You know, as a Phillies fan, there are there are far too many good things happening to the New York Mets that I, that make me feel comfortable. Uh, as, as if Mets fans have had a good weekend and it's been a pretty good year so far. It's unsettling. It's unsettling. John, a may rip in the space time continuum before the Mets get to win a championship. So don't you worry. Because if enough good things happen to the New York Mets, the world may end as we know it. <laughs> Well, but half my family is from Philly, so I get it from both sides. My whole, my mom's whole family is from Philly, so I That's definitely, right. I, I know, I know the Phillies. <laughs> like my cousin moved from Philly to Jersey City, and um, he chose the Yankees. And I was like, "Really? You you didn't stick with the National League?" And he said, "No, I'm tired of losing." <laughs> but now it looks like he might have picked the wrong team too. Pete Alonso hit an absolute bomb that first hit. Yeah, Pete looks He's like he might be in a groove. Them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Did he hit the farthest home run of the night? Um, has he? What was it? I know well, didn't Otani hit one like five twenty? Pete had a couple over five hundred, so maybe Otani had him beat. I know Pete hit one like five fourteen. Or no, it was Soda that hit one five twenty. I'm being corrected by Sarah Sanchez. That's oh, okay. Yes, he's definitely getting his rhythm right now. Oh, yeah. What a, that's a sweet spot. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Crucky, how are you real. feeling? Crucky, how are you feeling with your guy Mancini? Yeah. <laughs> Not real good. <laughs> Not real good, to be honest with you. But, uh, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Dave, uh, Joust will start, uh, losing a little steam. I know. Little, We're talking about. Sinkers. We're talking about these guys, stamina, the hitters. But what about Jaws? He's not exactly the youngest BP thrower here, but he's got stamina. They're still right yeah. in the same spot. That guy's a machine, man. <laughs> Was he Griffey's um, BP coach when Griffey won? Um. He was somebody's. I can't remember who it was, but he's definitely thrown to a winner before. See if I can look it up. That's a good time for a break by Pete, by the way. That yes, was a good, yeah, he was, he was kind of getting tired. Yeah, he looks worn out. Oh, God. He's a bull. <laughs> He's not dancing like he was. He's definitely getting a little tired. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. No, 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 he is. He's feeling it. <laughs> He's getting himself. He's pumping himself back up. He's pumping himself back up. <laughs> <laughs> And also, every Met is, like, tweeting. So I love how supportive. Like, this just shows the camaraderie of this team, too, that every Met is watching and tweeting right now. Pete was ready to hit, and then Chuck Torres walks in and tells him to wait. Leave it to Chuck. Chuck works for baseball. Now he's dancing again. He's trying to get back into that rhythm, feeling it. 
he's a big energy guy. He feeds off the energy. And I think that really hurt him last year and without fans in 2020. He needs that energy to, to feed off of it. Oh, that's why they're holding him up. You see? Oh, one of the people fielding is injured. Yeah. Oh, no. I tell you like what, that, that, have you ever watched, like, like we watch the swing, we watch a ball, but if you're there, like some of these people that they have out there shagging, it's not safe for some of them. How yeah, they're does not somebody, where they're going. how does somebody get that job? I would love to be out there shagging. I, I have no idea. I don't know if it's like, uh, T-Mobile, like employees or their kids or, but I mean, some of these, I mean, it's scary because, you know, the ones that they don't hit out are normally like hard line drive somewhere like that one. And these kids try to <gasps> catch it. And I'm like, oh, no, don't try that. It's scary. Oh, Pete just got drilled out of way, Dave. Threw what? They iced get, the pitcher. He's trying to get Trey to win. Ooh. Hit him again. Don't hurt him, but just hit him. He's starting to get the groove. Yeah, it's going to be so close because he has the bonus. He does get bonus still, exactly. So. Oh. 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 That one one might be the longest one, the one he just did. Oh, yeah. Oh, that last one was not out. It hit the wall. Yeah. It went for a minute bonus. He's got a, yeah, minute bonus, right? Yeah. 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 So that's one every 20 seconds. Very, very doable for Pete Alonzo today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I I, I predict. He's like very tired. Sarah's also telling me that the second to last shot was 514, which is very far. Well, the Cyclones tweeted that it would have been, like, out of the stadium and, like, onto, like, one of their rides if he had been hitting that in where where the Cyclones Yeah, play. Coney Island. If you were hitting these at Coney, yeah, Island, Coney Island, you would have hit one of the rides on the, bo- on the boardwalk. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Oh, look at him. <laughs> oh, our big, large son. <laughs> yeah, the polar bear is just such a perfect nickname for him. It's, it embodies his personality so well. Oh god, that's a blast. Oh, here we go. Oh, beep, beep, beep. oh no. Oh. Comes down to the final minute. Oh my gosh. Wow, he's going oh to do it inside 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. wow. oh he's doing this. Oh, oh yeah, he's feeling this. it. Yeah, it's so just Let's go. Wow. Back and back. Oh, I'm so happy right now. I have the biggest grin on my face right now. Way to go, Dave Jowes. Yeah, what about his comeback there? What a story. Back-to-back home run derby champion. Missed the 2020 season. My story of the 2019 home run derby is that I was driving back from somewhere. I feel like all the big mess moments, I'm driving back from somewhere. I was driving back from somewhere <laughs> and I, I lived in Baltimore at the time and I was trying to find a parking space and finding a parking space in Baltimore late at night, obviously not ideal. And so I was like driving around trying to find a parking spot by my house and I was like, Pete Alonso said the home run derby, you can't do this to me. And I was having <laughs> on my phone with my like earbuds in, like driving my car, trying to find a spot. <laughs> I just have such a distinct memory of that. And now, but this one, I was here the whole time. 
But didn't you walk in just to see him win it last time? Yeah, I literally walked in the house for the final round just as he was winning it. Alice and Linda, thank you so much for, uh, for, for joining us. Congrats to our boy, uh, Alonzo. Uh, I suggest everyone check out a pot of their own. It's, a, it's amazing. Uh, you two have a great night. Okay. Thank <laughs> you, John. Thank you for having Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Sam, ladies. I think we're, we're good on, uh, some final thoughts from, uh, around the whole. Yeah, guys, obviously I didn't have the best night because. I let John Snowness get in my head from the very beginning and I should have went with my gut because back to back home run champion Pete Alonzo, who I had in my head from the beginning. What are some of your guys' final thoughts while watching everybody tonight? Crocky, go ahead and start us off. Well, I, I think you might be seeing uh, a dynasty with Pete Alonzo and these home run derbies. It just looks too easy for him. Mm hmm too natural for him. And I, I don't think, I know there's only been a couple guys that's won it back to back, which Pete has just done. It wouldn't surprise me if he run off three, four or five of these things. I mean, he's, that's, wow. it's an impressive human, man. Stonis, what about you? Yeah, I think, I think John's right. I mean, in the, the thing is, he looks like he enjoys this too. That's, that's the other thing. I think some of these guys, they do the home run derby once and then they're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to do this again, but he looks like he enjoys this as much as anything else and would do it over and over again if he could. So, I mean, he didn't in, in his last two rounds, he didn't even need all of the allotted time in order to move on. So, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's really interesting too that in this, uh, after the first round, the four lower seeded players all advanced. So none of the one, two, three, or four seeds, uh, made it past the first round this year. So, um, you know, hats off to the underdogs in this one. And, uh, and Pete Alonso probably should never be, should never not be the number one seed in this tournament ever again. <laughs> what about you, Brady? You know, I feel like this was just an incredibly exciting derby. And I feel like, the Derby was a lull for a little while and it wasn't a very exciting event for a little while there. And I feel like it's been making a comeback the last few years and it kind of all culminated tonight. This was just an incredibly fun Derby. All the rounds were compelling and you, you couldn't look away from the TV. Uh, Alonzo just looks like an absolute beast, like the best Derby hitter of all time. Shohei Otani got everyone excited and, and brought so many more eyes to the TV than I think the Derby probably normally gets. Uh, so I hope that they're able to build on this momentum. And I hope that seeing how big of an event it was this year and seeing it on the rise again, I hope that encourages more young stars to want to participate. Because as great as this was, I can't help but think how great it would be next year to have Pete Alonso going against Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, and so on and so forth. So I, I think this was a step towards the Derby kind of returning to a marquee event that stars want to play in. And I hope that's the case. Well, guys, we're wrapping it up. Thank everybody so much for tuning in tonight for a very fun SB Nation MLB Home Run Derby brought to you by T-Mobile. Thanks to John Kruk, John Stolness, Brady Klopfer, uh, Michael Kist for being our producer and all our amazing guests. Make sure everybody to check out all of SB Nation's MLB podcast as we head into this second half of the season. I'm Sam Wilson. You can obviously find me at, at SamWills18 on all social media. Um, John Brady, John Cruck, give them where they can find you for the remainder of the season. Well, where I, I, I like a Twitter thing or something? Yeah, I, what's your I, social media handle, Crucky? Uh, I, I, it's a tough one. At 
John Crook. Yeah. I, I really got creative with the name. <laughs> uh, and I don't have any of that other stuff. What's the other stuff? Instagram and Snapchat. Well, if people want to hear from you, they can just go right to your Twitter and NBC Sports Philadelphia during the Phillies that's, game, right? That's right. Thanks, Sam, for helping me out there. <laughs> no problem, buddy. What about you, Stolness? Where can they find you? Yep, same thing. Pretty simple. At John Stolness on Twitter. That's it. Must be nice to not have a basic name like Sam Wilson. <laughs> sometimes yes what, sometimes about you? No. <laughs> what about you Brady uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Brady Klopfer NBA uh, I know that's not very topical for what we've been talking <laughs> about uh, and you can find all my baseball writing at com. awesome thank you guys so much and everybody enjoy tomorrow night's all-star game to end out the all-star weekend